0: Happy <laughs> poopy time.
1: Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles Endless.
2: Ah You didn't give us a chance to get it off the rail. snuck <laughs> <No. laughs> it in there.
1: But the <clears throat> Recycle in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza and we are fresh off the boat from our trip to Vegas. So this will be a fun one. Uh, joining right. me, uh, the, the good news is everyone on the trip is still here with us. We didn't lose anyone.
2: Yes. Came pretty close. I <laughs> think
1: close. people
2: may have been broken, but...
1: <laughs> Came no. pretty close, but everyone is here. <laughs> of course, running the board tonight, it's Stumpy John.
3: Is it so? Is it Stumpy? Is it is it a Hot Shot? Is it uh, Pitbull? Is it Cockblocker? Which, which one is it now, guys? I um,
2: he, I he's...
0: I I feel it's Happy Poopy time. John.
2: <laughs> you had... I might run with puddles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he had many nicknames. This Nasty weekend. business. <laughs> but of course, what happens in Vegas?
3: Stays in Vegas, right? It comes home with the laundry, I'll say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on the classy girl couch, it's Miss Emma.
0: Aloha, darlings. I had a splendid time in Vegas and I behaved very well.
1: Mm hmm. Yep hmm That's the story we're sticking with.
2: <laughs> Everybody's acting odd.
1: <laughs> and, of course, that is the sultry tones of Naked Jim.
2: Yes. Yeah, my brain was a little fried from the uh, flashing lights, of which we had a ton of. But, yeah, great time in Vegas. I did actually have to take a motorcycle ride in the woods today, and I, <laughs> I did that because I needed just some woods.
1: <laughs> yeah, your your brain got a little fried. We yeah. went we It's hard
2: to hang with Liza in Vegas. <laughs> you can't cannot underestimate how hard it is to hang with Liza in Vegas. She's a machine. Well,
1: yeah. Hey, not just Vegas, uh, any motorcycle event. I'm just alive and
2: popping. No Vegas. No, At, Vegas is a Well, AMAUP and vintage That's days. True, yeah. I mean, come on. All right.
1: I just I love it. I, That's lo- true. I love you it. Do. I just love everything. I just I just ready to go, and I, I, I'll, I'll eat a lot and yeah, you did have fun. Uh, yeah, it was a good trip. Um, and of course, coming to us remotely, it's Bagel.
4: Hello, good evening.
1: Nice shirt you're wearing there, Bagel.
4: Oh, thank you. Oh fancy. yeah, look at that, stylish.
1: Yeah, um,
4: cycles and misfits.
0: Do you do you still have the uh, your T-shirt with me in bed with the Yamaha on it?
4: Yes, I
2: do. Oh, good. Oh, no. I need that coffee cup. So when you when you pour hot water in it, doesn't the sheet go away yes. and all is revealed?
4: <laughs> yes, <laughs> all the bits,
2: all the bits, all, 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 the,
1: all the all the all the
0: componentry, the nuts and bolts. <laughs> so let's
1: kind of recap, uh, Emma. Where did we go? What did we do?
0: Uh, we went to... Uh, what was the name of the show again? Wow.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't... <laughs> I think it was
0: Sinner... What was it? Uh, no, oh. it was um, <laughs> uh, it was some bloody trade show. Lex something? <laughs> 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 what was the name of it the was show? the AM. The AM oh, show. the AM Expo. Um, oh, so the AM Expo, it, it's, it's, it's trade only, and... Um, It gives manufacturers, importers, um, accessory wholesalers a chance to show off a little what they do. It's not open to the public. You actually either have to be in the industry or, in our case, in the press. Or in my case, in the press and in the industry to go. Um, And you just get a, a look around and see what's new and what's not new and who's who. And it was very nice for me... To be back in that environment, because I saw a lot of old faces who I hadn't run into for years, and everyone yeah. seemed quite happy to see me, which is always very I nice.
1: Think, why wouldn't they be? I think we all ran into people from all different places that we've met before, except for John. Was there anyone there that you knew previously? No. Or was that all new and fun and exciting for you?
3: It was all new, fun, and exciting for me.
1: So... um
0: to give you an idea of who was represented, most of the accessory manufacturers had at least um, some presence there. The, absent, the, the notable absence, of course, were parts Unlimited. The show was hosted by um,
1: Tuck, Tucker.
0: Tucker, who used to be Tucker Rocky, um, who now just go by Tucker after the 2018 bankruptcy. Um, the only major Japanese manufacturer there was Suzuki.
1: And no American. No
0: American, yeah, um, and a lot of smaller um, Chinese, Taiwanese importer concessionaires, whatever you want to call them. It was, qu- it was actually quite a good show. Um, very small. It was really the first show after the big COVID shutdown, so I think mm-hmm. everyone wasn't really sure what it was going to be like and how we should behave and whether you should wear a mask or whether you shouldn't wear a mask and. Um, It was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And Triumph was there, we should mention too. Yes. Oh, you know, Triumph had a great stand.
1: Yeah. Should we say what overshadowed the uh, Aim Expo though? Right next door?
3: Oh, the
2: concrete. concrete. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were excited about the concrete show. World
1: of concrete
2: show. That
1: looks so much fun. They had big toys and little toys
0: and and crushers and thingers. You could ride the crusher, but you had to be this tall <laughs> to ride to Russia.
2: it was almost the beginning that one of the best adult theme parks ever you come in oh look there's the concrete you know the concrete <laughs> realm you can go and play in here's the motorcycle realm oh and there's the shot show yeah <laughs> and everything else vegas has to offer so yeah it was yeah.
1: concrete guns and motorcycles at the convention center mm-hmm. yeah good crowd um but yeah as you said um not that many Vendors showed up. In fact, um, Hey, shout out. Phil from Cleveland moto was supposed to come. We were looking forward to seeing him, Uh, but he had to pull out last minute just for (laughs) out of safety concerns for his employees, (laughs) which I thought was really, (laughs) he
3: never, I never thought he was a pullout guy.
1: Well, I thought that was actually really respect,
2: <laughs> well, respectful here's a, on his part. And and this is where, Phil, I think his decision was even cooler, is I saw him screwing screws into his yeah, SSR I know, I know. for fucking ice snow racing. racing or ice racing. So hats, but, off. hats yeah, off to the for Yeah, so you know, a lot of guys. people
1: didn't come. Um, but there were still a lot of people that we have met before. People have been on our show before.
2: Well, I wouldn't say a lot of people didn't come. I, I would say there was a smaller show. You know, it, it was yeah. definitely more accessory oriented the smaller um, you know, Chinese manufacturers, which was kind of fascinating. Um, but was, Suzuki was there. So at least you had one big one there. But it was just a smaller you know, gig. I mean, still COVID, for God's sake. The country's still on fire right, or whatever that exactly.
4: means. Um, yeah, well, what was the situation with masks there?
3: Yes.
1: Well, it's Las <laughs> Vegas. So. It was
2: It was shit showish. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. it was. Oh, so,
1: man. Uh, I'm, you know, we usually don't talk about it because it's more controversial. But I'll just say, I mean, we went there fully intending – to have masks and we had masks with us everywhere we went. But I found that once I was there, and when you're t- there's like most of the people aren't wearing masks, or maybe you're seeing someone you've met before, so you kind of pull your mask down to smile and say hi. And it just became like this is awkward. Like it was awkward being the only yeah. masked ones. And I didn't feel because it was in such a big room that we were we weren't like breathing on each other. So I just kind of had mine on sometimes and not. And then when we went up to talk to somebody, I said if they had a mask on, I said, "Would you prefer me to put my mask
2: on?" Yeah, you know, which was a cool thing if you saw people with them on. The other, otherwise, I would say it was schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. at yeah. it was pretty much schizophrenic. I, I will yeah. tell you,
1: the weird thing is, taxi drivers—they <clears throat> either wore a mask or they wore a seatbelt. Never both.
2: <laughs> but We also had people. Oh <laughs> we had people with no masks rushing into our elevator, even though it was full. They're like, "Oh, we'll squeeze in." So there's like fucking oh, twelve of us. John and I got off at one point. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm like, anyway. Uh,
1: yeah, so or, uh, it was hard. Be- get tested? Oh, yeah, already it, tested. Yeah, so far, so yeah, good. But
2: too, yeah. time will tell.
1: Um, yeah, my During rule. My rule was uh, shows, taxis, and elevators always.
2: I think the sheer exposure to neon light that you had may had yeah. prohibited you from getting COVID. But
1: yeah, so the whole so mask thing was kind of it was weird getting used to because we're so used to wearing them all the time. And I did; I had it on a lot of times, and then I pulled it off. It just all depended. That yeah. said, mm. um, we met new people there.
2: Just walking down the hall.
1: Just walking down the hall. The
2: library school teacher you meet walking down the hall. Not sure who she is going to lunch. Oh, she won the uh, the Sturgis half mile flat track three years in a row. <laughs> exactly, yeah, right. I know. And that's the least of her accomplishments. But yeah, we'll talk more wow. about that.
1: Yeah, or just randomly walking up to different vendors and and like asking them about their products and finding stuff that's fascinating you didn't think was.
2: And you never know who you'll meet.
1: Yeah. Well, the good thing is. Um, we did. We did interviews with a lot of these people. We're talking about, and I think that episode is going to be coming out next week when I edit it together. Cool, uh, because we're going to be doing the Numb Nuts Challenge next weekend. So I am not sure I would also be up to doing a podcast after sitting on a bike and winning the challenge.
2: There were good stories. We had. we had some good <laughs> stories in the interviews. I thought uh, it's something to look forward to.
1: Yeah, but we had we had a good time. Um, John stole my shine some of the time.
2: No, you got it back.
1: And then yeah. I got it back, and then I shared it. You did share yeah. it. Um, so the good, the, I think the plan that we've come up with every time we go to Amex in Vegas is win a lot of money on the slots, and that pays
3: for our evenings.
2: Which pretty much Liza wins a lot of money on the slots <laughs> right. and pays for our dinner.
3: Yeah, I won a little bit. Yeah, I, I, John I got, did I got too. a little, no John
2: man. took $300 uh, to the steak dinner, <laughs> so yeah, cheers to John.
1: Yeah, no, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Ricky Carmichael, he yes. spoke.
2: Yeah, keynote speaker.
1: And I like kind of, you know I've been thinking about his message. It's like he was talking about uh, a lot of his success. So his supercross uh, champion, a lot of his success came because he set attainable goals. And he said like you know instead of saying hey I'm gonna I'm gonna win the championship this year he said you know like just one race at a time and like hey if, if I get third in this group of guys I'll be really happy. He set attainable goals, and I thought that was an interesting uh, you know perspective. Rather than most people, I'm just going to crush everyone.
2: Yeah, it was cool watching him speak. Um, You know, it was a motivational type speech, which was kind of, oh, okay, cool. But they had a lot of cool pictures of him racing, old family pictures. And he got to tell a little bit of some stories and all that. I mean, it's the greatest of all time. So how often do you get to sit there and and listen to him speak? And and after you watch enough of his videos, like I, I watched his highlight crash video. It's like, how does that guy even walk? It's amazing. But look at his career. I mean, so it was cool to see him speak.
1: Well, and one of the um, interesting things that we didn't record, but, you know, just the people that you have conversations with. And when you stay there long enough, you know, you do. You go up and you start having conversations with people. And Emma and I went over to the DID Oh, booth. yes. If you're familiar with DID, they make chains. Some well, of they the best, ma- well, Bagel wouldn't know what that is. But DID. Bagel, they make chains. They're used to power our motorcycles to the wheel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just so you know,
0: they also make yeah. rather nice <laughs> rims as
1: well, and you know a lot of lot of stuff. Well, there's been a ongoing debate here at the shop uh, about mm. master links, and which is the better kind. You have clip mm. master links, and yes. you have rivet master links. Do you have any opinion on this, Jim?
2: So I, I'm not sure if I have an opinion as much as I have experience, but my general opinion is. The more horsepower to the rear wheel, the more likely you are to use a riveted master link. The less horsepower to the rear wheel, the less likely I am. And the more likely I am to use a clip
0: and painting. I have based
2: on nothing more than just seems <laughs> right. Jim, painting with a very broad brush.
0: You're absolutely right. However, as always, there's more to it than that.
1: So I went over to the booth and I said, hey, can you guys settle this debate? Yes. What is superior, uh, Clip or Rivet? And oh, the new Rossi and, and, one that has a 46 oh yeah, on it. Yeah. And the yeah. first guy I talked to, he said, ah, Clip. Yoshi. Okay. Mm. And then the, the other guy next to him, he goes, Rivet. <laughs> I was like, all right, fight to death.
2: And this is like the number one chain seller in the universe, yeah, right? The two they guys sell in the winning booth. chains to everything and they hmm. they still have a 50 50.
1: The two guys in the booth. So I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. I thought there'd be a clear answer. Uh, so then that developed a conversation. And these are the kind of conversations that are fun to have at events like this, right. where you really kind of get into it with people, you know? Um, because not all clip links.
0: ...are created equal.
2: Well, yes, what was the rationale for the clip link? Let's hear a a brief debate, or did you do an interview?
1: No, we didn't do an interview.
2: So what's the quick pros and cons? So
1: so the
0: quick pros and cons are thus. Properly installed, a rivet link is the stronger of the two. However, it's far more marginal than you think, and if you are non-professional it is far easier to screw up a rivet link Mm -hmm. installation than a clip link. Yes. Now, when I say that clip links aren't all created equal, DID do a clip link where you have the plate with the pins going through and you push that through from the back. And then the plate that goes on the front, you don't just push it on. You actually have to press that on with a tool, and then put the clip over that. And they were saying that that is within a certain percentage as strong as a rivet link.
2: So I have a question. If I were to have to buy a new chain for my uh, Gixxer S1000, and I got it from DID, and it was your typical chain, what would it come with, a clip master link, or instructions to do a rivet?
0: I think for a 1,000cc application for like 160 horsepower plus that, application it would come with a rivet link however you would need to make sure that you use a proper installation tool yeah and uh, did have their own installation uh-huh. and braking tool yeah. yeah
2: okay good and they will also give you a spec for uh, uh, a caliper yep and actually diameter that you can check with a caliper to make sure that you've mushroomed the chingadera the proper yeah. amount yeah
1: yeah, but as I was saying, for just the you know weekend you uh, know rider who doesn't really wrench much, um, they're more likely to not have the right tool and to not install the rivet type correctly. So the fact that the clip, I think, um, I think that uh, is going to suit
2: many more people. That's good to know because that's a lot easier at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: I mean, and that's the
0: point. That's the point. And occasionally. If I'm, t- if I'm tired or, you know, I'm just not paying attention, I can screw up a rivet link even now and it's, damn! And so you have to grind it off and redo it if you have one. And if not, that job gets kicked down the road for two or three days while you wait for the next one. Um, so no. you've really got to be on the ball to fit a rivet link correctly. You know, the biggest mistake people make is not maintaining their tool properly. And if mm. the tool gets a little bit of wear on it or um, the the part of the tool you use to m- mushroom the head gets a little bit blunt, or if you use it dry mm. and you crack the hollow pin yeah, when I've you're trying that. to mushroom it over, yeah. you're done.
2: Yeah.
0: You know?
1: Yeah, but, <clears throat> you know, um, as, as Emma said, you... But even with a clip link, you you can do that wrong as well. in fact, when I was talking to Nock, he said, Mm -hmm. I only use rivet because everyone I know who's ever had a chain failure, it was a clip link. So uh, Emma, correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard that it's possible that if you, that the clip is one way that you need, if you put it on backwards. Yes, it is one way. That it can come off.
0: Theoretically, I mean, the idea is, is a clip is a directional clip. Mm -hmm. And it has an open end and a closed end. And the closed end faces the direction of travel of the chain. Mm-hmm. So if, if it's in the upper row of the chain, the closed part is facing forwards. The lower run of the chain, the closed part is facing backwards towards the back of the bike. And the idea being is if you hit a rock, if you hit a stone, if you hit a twig or something, yeah. it's going to push that clip on harder rather than push it off. Now, I'm really old school. So what I do, whenever I use a clip link, even now, I'll cle- I'll, f- I'll fit it, put the clip on, clean it with brake cleaner, and then put a blob of silicon over the top of that so it really can't move. So you have this blob of silicon. Mm. Oh, interesting. That's, yeah. that's the hmm. real old school
2: way. Okay. Um, hmm. Very all, few yeah. people do that anymore. Yeah, well. all my dirt bikes have the clip. <clears throat> Yeah. The one that's riveted is the FC one.
0: But generally, as long as it's on facing the correct direction and it's correctly fitted and your chain is correctly adjusted and lubed. Shouldn't have a
2: problem.
1: And then um we hung out at the Suzuki um booth a lot, talking Suzuki. about bikes.
2: They were great hosts.
1: You did you warn them about me? What did you say?
2: I said nothing. Oh, you did. That...
1: You warned them about me. No, I didn't. You did. Mm-t.
2: Is that when I looked over and there were a crowd of uh, sales managers <laughs> l- listening to to, to to Liza teach and preach?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did.
2: Oh, I did. no. Um, no, you did. You the said something. only no. The <laughs> only thing I the only
0: thing I said to them, and I said it to the technical service manager Steve, <laughs> who I've known for many many years. I said. Um, Just be. Liza is happy to give out unwarranted <laughs> advice, and you'd better listen to
2: her. <laughs> and you were. Uh, and, and
0: you were telling them all about their SV. No. No, it was the uh, uh, V Strom, wasn't it? The big thousand, V-Strom. Yeah,
1: yeah. The V Strom. The new V Strom that is like the full adventure kit bike. Thought, what, what were you telling them about was a good looking guy? I said, all right, come over here. Let me show you let me show you why this isn't a real adventure bike. Okay. Well that was
2: our conversation because we we're looking at a lot of Chinese okay. bikes too.
1: And in my defense, it was near the end of the show, there was hardly anyone around. Now we're just like shooting the shit, right? I'm like, I'll just wind them up a bit. Yeah. But it is true. It's something that we talk about all the time. What is a real adventure bike.
2: What I'll, what I'll say is the way it came f- um, from the factory, I would agree with you, but if you change all the little bits that we change anyway, hand guard, skid plate, things like that, it's more of an adventure bike than it is out the factory, but kind of a lot of the bikes are like so,
1: that. So, and I'll just say, what like I've always said that uh, bikes like the V-Strom and the Versus aren't adventure bikes. They're adventure-styled bikes. And this new one, I mean, it comes with, all the bells and whistles. It looks like a fully kitted out with the aluminum panniers and all the, the things. Um, but I pulled them, uh, you know, I said, let me just show you what I teach people when I'm teaching people what you want in an adventure bike. Um, and the number one thing is the, it has a low, like a, a low hugger fender. I'm like, yeah, how do the big block tires fit on a low fender? Right. It's going to get mud and everything packed in there. I mean, it's
2: doesn't well, have the 19 inch front wheel.
1: And a 19-inch front wheel,
2: which makes it better for carving canyons. So again, right. what are you going to be doing on right. it? Right,
1: but um, we're just talking about you know, it, it, ready to the it, bike. It, yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think yeah, it had uh, I think like the handguards were plastic, but that's a common thing even on the Africa Twin. It didn't. I had to put reinforcements on that.
2: Well, the one thing, yeah, yeah, all, all the handguards on bikes for the most part are garbage. But it was interesting; their mounting points not to get down this rabbit mm-hmm. hole were exactly like SSR's mounting points on their um, handguards. Right up to the mirrors? Yeah, can, but again, yeah. I think if if we were to buy those, we're going we're to take them off. off. We're going to put yeah. aftermarket stuff on anyway. No,
1: but for me, if it has, yeah, it's about the, 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 the wheels and block tires and a tall enough fender, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to have mud and dirt and everything in there. Also, no bash plate skid plate on the bike. Yes, you can add one, but, and Emma, you can tell me, on these bikes, which has the same motor as, like, the SV, right? Right. Well, no, No, I mean... But, but, yeah, yeah, roughly. Right, sticking out of the front. What is sticking right out of the front of the engine?
0: Oh, well, there's a variety of things, but the oil filter, of The oil filter sticking right out. And when I said,
1: that right there tells me this is not a real adventure bike, they're like, well, we've never had any issues with the, you know, oil filter being knocked out i'm like because no one's yeah. taking it on to like yeah. logs and and well, rocks
2: you would have to you would have to see it with an aftermarket skid plate on it because it's a street bike Be, yeah but, without well,
1: yeah. in
0: fairness yeah i mean for you mm-hmm. to ride a uh uh You know, that bike over a log, it would need to be built like the Incredible Hulk. Right, but (laughs) I'm just pointing out
1: there are, you know, the Tenere, the GS, the Africa Twin. There are bikes that are built with that in mind. And then when you see these bikes that look like that, they're styled like that, but you have a, I think, a major flaw. It's like having exterior genitalia. I mean, it's going to get hit
0: yeah uh, well i think i think, I think so it needs I a think, cup is what you're saying <laughs> i think i think boys do like
2: well, no like i said though if it does have an aftermarket you know flatland racing um you know skid plate you can put there and it does protect that oil filter like i said i put a new skid plate on every new like dirt bike i get because for as we know from the factory they're not the best
1: i, I, I was i, mean, I was he, winding but i, up. I, I, know I was, what was you're winding saying you're up. just
2: you were just but um, it, but um, it was all good feedback and yeah, they were taking yeah. notes feverishly
0: under You know, unsolicited
1: advice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, We're good at that.
0: But to be, I mean, to be fair, I think what they've done is what a lot of manufacturers do. They say, what is the major intended use of this bike? And the major intended use for most big V-Strom owners is to do long-distance touring on it. So the bike is absolutely superb for that. And then the few that take it seriously off-road... There are a range of accessories that you can bolt on mm-hmm. to help with its shortcomings. And that's true of any bike.
2: Yeah. The other thing Suzuki did quite well was the jixer, GT Sport Touring Bike and then the naked jixer, the S1000, I think it yes. is. Yes. I was quite smitten with those.
0: Um, um, and, Be- and, uh, Bagel doesn't get to answer this question. What does GT stand for? No answering Bagel. Gran Turismo. Well done. <laughs> and it goes to the it's 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 well it's actually gran. Gran Yeah. Gran. No D uh, on the end.
1: Hey, and I wanted to say I was just winding them up. They it's a good looking bike. Yes. Uh, I but you know, when we're putting it in categories of yes. recommending bikes, I don't think it's yet in the category. The V Strom is not in the category with the Super Ten and all these other bikes. That's all. But really good looking bike. And if you're looking, looking for bike. a gravel road, you know, fire road commuter carver tour yeah. comfortable with all the things good looking bike
2: yeah and the other thing it did well that the other ones did also including the hayabusa that we sat on lovely um is that the way they kind of connect the, the technology really good connectivity to your bluetooth and your phone and all that kind of shit really clean displays
1: yeah I think the only other thing I called bullshit on, <laughs> you, Emma, your friend Lee, who was there. Yes. She's a really sweet person. Um, and I, I was looking at the bike, and the side panniers um, sit kind of high. Yes. In fact, you have the rear seat, and then they sit about three inches higher than the rear seat. And I was like, what's up with that? That looks weird. And she says, Oh, we wanted to create like a, a cradle, you know, rear seat to hold the passenger in. I said, I'm calling bullshit. It's because your damn pipes are too high and the huh. panniers have to sit above the pipes. <laughs> and they wanted to put big enough panniers that were worth it than smaller ones that would. Right. So I was just like, that's bullshit. <laughs> no, they put up with me pretty well. No, they did, they did quite well.
2: <laughs> Emma, do you know the difference between teaching and preaching? About an hour. <laughs> oh. Liza, Liza was preaching there.
1: No, um, any other highlights for you guys? John, that was your first time there?
3: Yeah, it was great. Uh, I, I really like the SSR booth um, because they had a whole bunch of different motorcycles I haven't seen yet. And the new, the new line of things that are coming out. We're going to know what's going to yeah. be in the video. But it's uh, that was or some sort of the audio. But yeah, I, just a variety of bikes. I feel like they're taking a step forward in terms of quality.
1: You know, I will say. I'm in-
0: very unhappy with that answer, John. Why yeah. your highlight should have been hanging out with us?
3: Oh, of course it was. That <laughs> goes without. Well, I guess w- it doesn't go without saying, does it?
1: So there, there was a lot of different companies with Chinese scooters, motorcycles, e bikes, and all than that. Others. Right? Yeah. Um, but there was in quite a few of these booths, I did see something that I got my interest. Um, they had little Chinese versions of like a little chopper. Which are a little two fifty cc, so I would say competing with like you know a Rebel two fifty, right? But I thought they actually looked pretty cool. They looked more like a Sportster. Like I've always uh, like had issues with the Rebel two fifty and some of these smaller GZs and everything because they look like cheap, not even like close to being a copy of a you know American Iron, but just were like cheap. These bikes that they're making, they looked like a. I thought it was a Harley at first, like a Sportster engine or something. Do you you remember? Yeah, no, that was the, the they. They looked beefy and, and and the SSR
3: one was better than the other ones.
1: So that was something that I was like, oh, this is kind of cool yeah. styling wise for people who are getting a you know a, a a learner bike cruiser. Yeah, that the ones that we recommend, but I don't think that they look very good actually.
3: Well, um, I also like I thought these looked good. I like that they also have like. That little sports car, I think, it was a two fifty. But they also go all the way up to the two fifty, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, and up. Now they're coming up to like seven hundred. So they're giving a lot of variety for different CCS up throughout the the range.
1: Some of them reminded me of if you guys are familiar with like Sucker Punch Sally. Uh, they were a they're a company that make uh, chopper bikes. You could buy that were kind of retro bobbery. Um, I full, thought they looked kind of cool. Full size or smaller. Uh, Sucker Punch Sally? Yeah. They were a little bit smaller. Oh, okay. Well,
2: Between SSR and Benelli, there were a lot of motorcycles over there, like a broad range.
3: Well, those dirt bikes were pretty legit, too. I wish they had a plated one, but they were looking pretty, um, they were looking pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, and and they were well kitted out with, comparable to some of the other, uh, big manufacturers. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so yeah, that, go to, you know, next week you'll hear more about that. And then John, you're going to be doing a video, so people want to see more. It was a good time, had by all.
2: Yeah? Yeah, I got to see a bunch of people. It's always, I mean, my favorite stuff is just meeting people. You know, you just meet the random. All you have to do is stop and talk to people. And no next thing shortage you know,
0: of random
1: people. Next thing you know, you're,
2: a... you're talking about dirt bike racing in Santa Cruz at De La Viega, De La Viega Golf Course like 40 years ago.
1: So you know? I want to talk a little bit about today. And, and speaking mm. of Chinese, <laughs> so you guys got to check out. So I got... Um, I got some gloves in. So, you know, I keep ordering this stuff from China, right? So bagel, you can't see this, but, um, you know, I love Climb gloves. Let me see if I can hold this up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. So I love Climb gloves. Can you see that bagel? These are some of my personal gloves and they just fit so well. They feel good. I love Climb Mm -hmm. gloves so much. I have almost every single one of them. I just I just bought them all. So I ordered from China
3: a knockoff
1: of the same glove.
3: Wow! So it's called slime, mm-hmm. slime, not climb, right? This
1: is the climb Badlands, I think. Um, and I was handing them out to people. Uh, they look
2: and, identical to me. <laughs>
1: and telling people yeah,
2: they are pretty close. Find
1: the fake. I gave them one of each.
2: It's like Blade Runner. I gave them huh. one of
1: each. Find the fake they're the same color, mm. they're everything, and you know what? Uh, quite a few people couldn't spot the fake
2: I, mm. sp- I told you three, three, three things right away that were fake about it. yeah, but yeah, I believe it they are yeah. incredibly if if I ordered them in the mail and didn't see them side by side, I would um I would have been like, okay, these are my climb gloves they're that and yeah.
1: so and honestly, I'm a little torn on this because on the one hand. So I think I paid 30 bucks from AliExpress, maybe 25, right? I think it there. It's worth it. I think the glove is a thirty dollar glove all day.
2: This is probably one of my first bang bang-bong buys that I think might be okay because these gloves look like they would survive a crash, right? And usually, you're if you're on the street, you know, you're going to get kind of one crash out of a glove. They look like they Ooh. would hold up. I think where it may not be hold up is over time, and that that's hard to say.
3: Yeah, but not to be a Debbie Downer here, but they are stealing a copyright from an American well, company.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, no, that's a whole other yeah. v- legitimate issue. So. Yeah.
1: On the one hand, yeah, for people who can't afford a $130 gloves or whatever I paid for them. Can you look up um, Badlands, Climb uh, Badlands? See, I think it's Badlands. I don't know. Um, then this is a good alternative. But on the other hand, yes, uh, I, I I like Climb. We went to their headquarters uh, in Rigby, Idaho. Um, they make good products. So I know that it is bad that there's a product out there that is is a fake. They're I mean, it's an exact copy. But here's the thing. Um, if you look at Emma, if... Let's see. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. the climate, 150 bucks versus Whoa. 30 bucks. So, Emma, if you look yeah. on the heel pad on these gloves...
0: That was the major difference I noticed.
1: So, the heel pad... Jim, what's the major function of the heel pad?
2: Well, when you go skidding down the road, you know, exactly. you know, you keep some skin on your palm, hopefully. Mm-hmm.
1: One of them is feels like it has a thick, hardened, it's not quite a leather, it's almost like a, I don't know what this material is, but there, it feels like an industrial material. There's something very dense that, in there. To give it um, a thicker heel, and the other one, it's simply just fabric with Mm. threads through it and padding in it to make it appear like the other one.
0: And then the same applies on the pads that go just above your palm.
1: So the, that's where I'm like, Hmm, if it, if you actually are sliding down there, that can fail and can go through the quality of the leather is similar, but the fake, it's a little bit thinner but that's one of the things I love about Climb is that they have a very good quality, thin leather that feels good but is durable. So I, it's hard to know what the quality of the leather is here.
2: Yeah, well, it's kind of like you'll know after yeah. time. You know, after you put a few thousand miles on them, that, then, then that'll be one way to judge the quality.
1: But interesting, though, to see how close it is. You know,
2: funny, the first thing that popped out at me, maybe it was because we were in Vegas looking at some of those bikes, it, it was shinier the cheap one mm. the knuckle protectors that are kind of plasticky yeah. they pop a little bit more and i for some reason it's like things that pop a little more i'm a wee bit suspect of
4: and and here's the thing too is that this knockoff it's just designed to look just like the original but looks can be deceiving and because it's not made of the same materials it just that means it's most likely not going to hold up the same way and mm-hmm. just like the the palm pads uh you know are are probably not going to hold up to, you know, a road rest situation, you know, the rest of the glove very well could fail under, you know, other, other, uh, you know, stress as well.
1: Yeah. And and I want to be clear also, I didn't get it just to get a cheap glove. I really did want to compare. And so I'm using this more Mm -hmm. of like a teaching thing to really see what to look out for. Just from a simple
0: perspective, the climb one is far more comfortable. Oh, you you put on, on when you put on, when you put on the knockoff, you're aware that well, there's kind of sharper stitching inside. Well, in mm. all
1: fairness, the climb one is my glove that I have worn many times, so it's worn in.
0: Yeah, oh, but okay. you, it That's feels it actually
2: feels how, very different. How does it feel? Usually, the hard plastic when you like are squeezing a clutch lever or brake lever, the hard plastic across your knuckles can sometimes. No, they no, this
1: is
0: comfortable. Yeah,
2: it's comfy. Cool. But they
0: they don't feel the same.
1: Yeah. Um. And it has all the same accessories on the left finger. It has the little squeegee that they put on climb gloves. Yeah. But you Um, noticed
2: a difference in those, like the text, the the density of the rubber.
1: Yeah, slightly different. Uh But they, but they, yeah, they're exact copies. The only other uh, difference is the climb one, which it says um, designed in Rigby, Idaho. But um, it says manufactured in Vietnam, and the fake one says manufactured in China. Mm. Mm-hmm. So does that mean Vietnam makes better gloves, or does it mean that that they have better quality control? Climb that they. I wonder if they they send a lot more. Cut guy. out the middleman. Yeah, well, they're. I guess they're picking the materials, that are overseeing it, and making sure it's up to their specs, and this other one isn't. But anyway, interesting comparison. So I guess. Um, uh, I'll just ask you guys. Now that you've seen the fake for thirty bucks, is this a thumbs up or a thumbs down for somebody?
2: Depends on the person.
3: Mm. Thumbs down, man. I'm always. I think we should protect American IP. I just do.
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say it's a thumbs down because it's not something that you know you can rely on when you need it the right. most. Yeah,
0: and and generally, I find the days of genuine bargains are long gone you get exactly what you yeah, pay for. Yeah, I agree for. with that.
4: Yeah, and, and the thing, too, is that this is this is not just a, you know, uh, this is not decoration. It's not just for looks. This is a functional piece of equipment. You want it to work right when, 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 it's, you know, when it's necessary.
1: Uh, so I'm going to share my answer, and it might surprise you. You probably think you know what I'm about to say. Um, I'm going to say, actually, thumbs down but only because they put the climb name and, and labels on it. I found another pair, the exact same thing, where they removed the climb name from everything. And I think that's okay and because... And that's where I'm like, aha.
0: Now you're just buying $30 gloves. That they've right.
1: copied... I don't think that this is, you know, a patent. I don't know if it's patented design. I mean, they literally copied all the cuts and everything, but they're not putting the claim name on it. And that's where I don't have an issue with that, I don't think. Well, at some mm-hmm. stage, you're, it, it, it's kind of
0: being authentic or not authentic to other people. Mm-hmm. There is a whole industry um, of purses and shoes. That do knockoffs of very very expensive mm-hmm. purses and shoes, just because you can walk around. Oh look, you know, you've 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 got this Chanel purse, which is a knockoff, or you know, you've got the the red bottom Loafer shoes, and they're a knockoff. So they it's just so you can you can look posher than you are.
1: I was actually watching a, a reality show, and these people are out shopping in LA, and like, ooh, let me see that vintage Chanel purse, and like, ah, yes, it's actually. 1987 knockoff Chanel purse, which is now in a vintage, you know, shop because uh. it still it has value itself right. for being a 1987 knockoff. They announced uh. that's what it is, but it still has value. So um, that's my only thing: the branding.
2: So, and I went to Chanel, the real Chanel. Oh yes. Oh
1: yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my kind of recap on these gloves. It's it's kind of interesting. It wasn't as bad as all the other stuff that I got. Oh. Are you are you jealous of my new um, bedding? Uh, you, can you see that bagel? Yes, that's, that's my pillowcase. Oh, yeah. is that a pillowcase? Oh, it's I a pillowcase. Yeah, I got a bed set with a dirt biker printed on it. Uh, yeah, duvet, everything. Um, yeah, it's you know most of the time when I'm getting this stuff from China, some of it is a hit, some of it's a miss. We'll see. The We're, new we'll
2: rug is s- great. I like <laughs> it. I
0: know. We'll see how it holds up when your cat pisses on it. I know.
1: I'm I'm still very fond of the KTM bath mat. Yeah,
2: I like <laughs> that. That was a great
4: one. Um, it hasn't disintegrated yet?
1: So um, I wanted to talk real quick about something we worked on today that both Bagel and Emma had some input on, but Bagel doesn't know how this turned out. Oh. So we had Michael come by today on his Vespa. What was it again? What kind of Bagel.
4: Uh, this was a, uh, a GTV 300 Sage Yoni model.
1: Yeah, whatever he just said. And so. It's, an,
4: it's a replica of the original six day racer uh, from the 1950s.
1: So, um, Michael said that his check engine light was on. And for some reason, he asked me for help.
2: Well, that's because your check engine light's on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I went, sure, I can help you. And I dialed Bagel. and uh, so bagel was you asked him some questions you want to kind of tell him what how you were deducing what caused the check engine light
4: yeah so uh basically uh, the the vespa gts and gtv series have a check engine light which is just sort of a a dummy light that will come on when any sort of code is thrown by the ecu so you really don't know what it is until you put a scanner on it and because nobody has a Piaggio scan tool um, we couldn't see exactly what it was Mm -hmm. um so I, I kind of asked him a couple of questions about the bike, you know, how it was, how many miles, and it's it's a fairly fairly new bike, only a couple of years old, um, only has about three thousand miles on it. Um, no, I thought it was and, a twenty twenty. Uh, uh, well, yeah, that's well, is it is twenty twenty. Okay, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty, but yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, so it's um, but it's only got three thousand miles on it. it; hasn't you know been through a whole lot. Um, but he did say something very interesting Said after he had the 500 mile service done at the dealership, um, he did not check the oil in it after he got it back and rode it around for, for quite a while. Um, not realizing that there was almost no oil in it. Um, it was down just what? the very bottom of the dipstick. Yeah. Did you know so, that tweaked, No, he, I didn't. Wow. He didn't tell you that. Yeah. He told me that. <laughs> so he filled it back up. Um, and he said, it's, it's run fine, you know, ever since. Um, and it wasn't completely out of oil. It was just very low. Um, but I said, as long as he wasn't doing any real hard riding on it, you know, high speed riding, it, it probably is okay because it still had some oil in the, in the case. Um, but hopefully, you know, that didn't do any long-term damage. So what I suggested the the main culprits could be is one, um, the battery because the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, ignition system in the bike is run off of the battery. So when the voltage drops, that can throw a, uh, a code onto uh, from, from the ECU uh, because it doesn't have enough uh, voltage to, uh, to run the ignition system. And uh, it, it will work at a low voltage condition for a while before it completely dies, so it can throw a code at first with the check engine light before the bike will start cutting out. And so I suggest that could be a possibility and recommended that you check the voltage that the battery is putting out um, other than that i suggested uh easy fixes could be uh, a loose spark plug cap or cable because if those uh come off or come loose um you know that can cause a, a weak spark condition which the which will mm-hmm. be detected by the uh, the lambda sensor and um so uh, i've said i said you know check those things and see if that Gets you uh, reveal something, and uh, if not, then maybe try to put a scanner on it and see what the what code is reading, and that might point you in the right direction.
1: All right, so I'm going to give you an update, Bagel. Okay. Uh, so he checked the battery; it had 12.6 volts in it, Hmm. and he checked the spark plug. Everything was tight and good. Okay,
4: but 12.6 is a little low for the battery, isn't it?
1: I don't think no. 12.6 no no with it not
4: running, Bagel.
1: So now I'm going to tell you, Bagel, that. Emma fixed it. Oh, okay. So Emma came up with a whole nother uh, plan mm. of attack. Emma, okay. you want to say what you came up with? Well, I've got some
0: history with these bikes and check engine mm. lights mm-hmm. and overcharging.
1: And Yeah, Jim, you don't know um. this. I, I was fascinated by this. So
0: the first thing we did was we checked the voltage in the battery. Then we connected a voltmeter to the battery and revved it. And I've seen them in the past that they're like twelve six at idle and they go up to about sixteen volts and of course the engine light comes straight on because uh-huh. it wasn't it was a. it was on the high side of normal. It was fourteen six. Mm, but yep. it was okay. You know, fourteen six, it's a it's you know, it's a tenth of a volt higher than I'd like it to be. But so is that a bad voltage regulator or what Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes. Is, it, is that is that a recall or is this just? Oh, there's uh, a lot
0: recalled under that. And funnily mm. enough, there was a recall on Multistradas because they both mm. had Magneti Marelli voltage regulators, which were yeah. terrible. And <laughs> um, they put, I think, I think it was Nippon Denso or Kakusan mm. um, was the replacement. And that was it was a lot more stable. But anyway, that was good. So what I did. Um, I did a hard reset on the um, battery. So what I did was I pulled the positive cable off the battery, and then I touched the empty positive cable to the negative and emptied out all the all the diodes.
1: Yeah. Now Jim's going, what? Exactly. I'm listening. Going. All the capac- wait, what? Em-
0: emptied yep. all the capacitors in the system.
1: Can you do that for any bike? Well, if it's
4: got capacitors in it, yeah.
1: Do our bikes have capacitors?
4: Yes. <laughs> do I have a flux capacitor? <laughs> just, just make sure nothing is connected to the positive terminal of the battery when exactly, you do this. Repeat, <laughs> that is,
0: that's the key. You have to so actually can take... Can you say that again? <laughs> say yes. that again. Take I told up, you disconnect everything so
4: from the positive
0: terminal. <laughs> so basically you take the positive terminal off and you make sure, because you will set your bike on fire... <laughs> if you don't oh, do yeah. this right, you take everything off the positive cable of the battery and, if necessary, put a little cap on the terminal of the battery so you can't touch it. Mm. And then what you do is you take that empty cable and if you've if it's got enough slack in it, just pull it across and touch it on the negative. If you can't, just make a little jump wire and touch it on the negative. And what it does... If there are any capacitors in the system, and most bikes with an ECU have a capacitor either within the ECU or within one of the systems, and all the capacitor is, is it's something that holds on to current. And when you touch that empty positive cable on the negative, it empties all the capacitors.
2: Like like a sink?
0: Yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. Just think of, think of it as a zit, and by touching the positive, <laughs> oh, no. you're squeezing the zit. <laughs> <laughs> so <pfft. laughs> and so, you empty oh, you empty everything, and that's called a hard reset. And then we put the positive cable back on the battery, cycled it a couple of times, which is off on start, off on start. Check engine light went straight out.
2: So wow, there's it, the top tip. See, I you'd like there's that. And I said tip. to nice. Michael,
0: if it comes back on again. You know, give me a call.
2: Will it work on uh, Liza's Pilot?
0: Yes.
1: Wait,
0: what? Will,
2: will that work well, on Well, a hard pilot?
0: reset, but I did bring my scan tool, and I still haven't yeah. scanned your car, so we're going to... I have it in the kitchen. Yeah.
1: So, uh, that just, yeah, that just uh got me, yeah, like, wait, what, 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 who can... I didn't know about this thing. I thought this was a good top tip that... yeah. But I also, oh, you know what? I don't think I have... not think. Hold on. I don't have a single bike that has a check engine light, do I? Does Africa Twin have it?
3: Yes. Uh, it has, you're mm-hmm. a, your, your KTM should have it, too.
1: My KTM has a check engine light?
3: Yes. Anything with a DCU <laughs> will have a check engine light, right? Theoretically, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's
1: never come up. Good. Well, I, okay.
3: Ruh. You've been lucky Any,
1: so far. Anyway, <laughs> I thought that was fascinating how you fix that bike. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, Jim, you're,
0: you're giving it's me
1: an th- answer.
2: That is, that is a hard reset. Do you, do you need to go? I'm a skadoodle. Yeah, I got the drink some electrolytes after the weekend.
1: Um, <laughs> and I just
0: want to publicly say, Jim, you are a wonderful traveling companion. Oh, and we, you you are a very very good motel room companion too.
2: I thought we we roomied great together, and there is no one I would like to prance about the Bellagio with other than you.
0: And um, <laughs> we did underwear dancing as well.
2: Oh, I know they caught us too. Thank yeah, God they caught us in <laughs> underwear dancing oh, no. to the Detroit Cobras. It was a That's right, the trip Detroit Cobras. <laughs> yeah. All right, so cheers. Yeah, all right, cool. Okay, Jimmy. Cool.
1: Um, Emma, I thought uh, we talk uh, for a few minutes about you sold a bike today.
0: Yeah, I sold a bike really? today. And we're not going to talk about numbers because numbers are always um, – that's not really what selling a bike's all about. It's about who buys what and why they buy it. And so the XS11, if you remember right, we talked about this last week. Was it last week?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One owner a bike um, owned by an old, older gentleman who bought it brand new in 1979. Lovely old thing. And we differed on the direction for the bike because it was covered in fairing and saddlebags and crash bars, and I took all that off. And I, You heathen. And I was very careful to source the OEM stuff. So I got OEM headlight ears, OEM headlight bucket, OEM reflectors, the whole nine yards to turn it back to original naked. And I think it came out very well. Um, anyway, I was Mm -hmm. not planning on selling it and Doug came along today and he said, I must have that. Well, actually his girlfriend (laughs) was particularly taken with it and she said, I must get Doug to buy that bike. And so we put a deal together where he's getting a great deal, I'm getting a good deal, um, and he's going to get a bike... That's big and comfortable for two people. I feel he oh, just right. bought it for the naked ride.
1: <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have a two-up bike.
0: Not really, because
1: he's always like, "Can I borrow a bike?" I want to take. Well, the first ride. thing
0: does Doug tends to do with his bikes is he cuts the subframe off the back and turns it into a one-seater. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, but no, I mean it's it's a very very nice. All original bike, and you know it. Sincerely, a, Doug doesn't start chopping it up and turning it into a cafe racer because I think it deserves better. But I tell you what, I went through the carburation, I put new intake boots on it, and that thing is not short of power. It runs like oh my god! You didn't ride it, Liza. The thing pulls like mm. a train. They're
1: great, and it stops like a train.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's typical, <laughs> it's 1970s brakes allied with brake pads that have been, you know, nicely lubricated with fork oil. So, um, you know, it was a difficult decision for me because had I put brake kits in it and pads in it and fork seals in it, it would not have cost me a great deal of money. And I could have got a great deal more for it than I did. So I thought, well, I'm I'm doing Doug a bit of a favor here, but he's happy.
1: Let me ask you something. We have a a guest who's going to be coming on shortly, but uh, let's take a little time to, I want to ask this question. Um, As somebody who also loves vintage bikes, you have these bikes that have motors up pull i mean they still feel so oh they have uh, all the power yeah right but they're heavier bikes than what we're used to now right and the brakes are subpar i would say in fact the biggest fault with vintage bikes isn't the power it's the braking well it's a bit of everything and,
0: it's braking handling and,
1: and yeah. even on this bike it's a, a three rotors two in the front One in the back. Right. But they're single piston brakes with the... Stainless steel dinner plates. With the not braided lines. um, Yes. And, you know, these giant uh, master cylinders. So for somebody who has a vintage bike, what's the best way to upgrade the brakes? Well, I mean, there's a variety of ways that you can
0: do it. Some are cheaper than others. If you've got a little bit of financial clout, you can actually replace... EBC does rotors for a lot of vintage bikes, and they're made out of modern material.
1: Ah, so the rotor... See, I never thought the rotor is a big part of it, huh?
0: Well, the rotor is a big part of it because, of course, the EBC rotors have a pattern within. They're drilled, they're slotted, it helps disperse heat, it helps get the rainwater out. It, it does all the
1: things... Almost all the things a modern rotor does, but they ain't cheap. So let's just list off real quick the components. You got the rotor. That that can be upgraded. Yes. You got the, the lines. That, that can, can be, be upgraded. upgraded. The master cylinder.
0: Well, the master cylinder, without getting into replacing master cylinder and calipers, you just want to make sure that everything is working exactly as it should. So
1: master mm-hmm. cylinder and calipers caliper yes and then the brake shoes the brake the pads, pads. Sh- yeah, and the, use yeah. a
0: nice modern material so
1: what would you say in order what are the things that you should upgrade to improve the braking on an old bike
0: well if the brakes work okay mm. putting a set of lines on is going to improve it hugely largely because if you've got the rubber mm-hmm. fuel, if you've got the rubber brake hoses on it they're the originals they're 40 years old
1: and explain why it makes a difference to put, like, a braided line
0: on. Oh, it makes a huge difference. It's a very, very simple test. Grab your brake line tight. Mm-hmm. You know, squeeze it like you're squeezing a sausage. And <laughs> I don't squeeze my sausages. You should. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, yes, I know you do, John. <laughs> we, we heard you from next door. <laughs> anyway... Um, Squeeze your brake lines as tight as you can and then pull on the front brake hard. And you will actually feel the brake line swelling underneath your hand.
1: Yeah, so a lot of the pressure that you're applying is just going going into the brake line out.
0: Right. um, And you think how long these brake lines are on on the XS eleven has got three brake lines on the front, each nearly a couple of feet long. Mm -hmm. You know? So you've got six feet of brake line that's swelling before it even starts pushing the pistons out. When you put stainless lines on, all of that goes away. All the force from the master cylinder gets transferred into force in the piston. Um, Single piston caliper, the way they work, the piston is pushed out and that applies the pad to one side of the disc. And then the whole caliper slides Mm -hmm the other way which applies force to the other side of the rotor. So you need to make sure that the pins can move freely, that the piston can move freely, that everything's clean in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not got shitty fork oil sodden brake pads.
1: Oh, you know what the other thing we didn't component we didn't say? The fluid. Well, that's the which obvious. is probably the First thing you Well, we've to do talked
0: that. so much about brake fluid in the past, no. but we'll reiterate brake fluid. If it is clear or if it looks like nice wee-wee, it's good. <laughs> if it looks like beef soup or if it looks like wee-wee and you've got an STD, it's <laughs> bad. It's as Go simple as that. Yeah, see your doctor, see your motorcycle doctor, and see your local doctor immediately. Um, So clear or wee-wee colored, very good. It won't look like that. It's going to look like beef soup with crystals in it, and you need to clear all of that nonsense out and get some fresh fluid through, preferably with stainless lines. I mean, the thing Mm -hmm. is with these bikes, you can spend an absolute fortune on them you end up with a very very cool bike so the choice is yours
1: yeah it's just uh, so much of motorcycling is about the power making it faster and this and that the braking is is huge and oh it's a, I it's think a massive part for, of it it's probably the biggest danger factor on riding a big bike like this is being able to stop
0: you know oh. the, one of the first bikes that i owned that I really felt the braking was decent on it, mm-hmm. as laughable as it is now was my g s x eleven hundred and that was a single piston yeah. caliper, but it had slotted discs, and it you know I upgraded with stainless lines and this was back in the in the late seventies early eighties, and that thing actually stopped, but I was very, very careful about what brake pads I put in it
1: bagel excuse me for being uh ignorant on this. are most Ooh. of the scooters? Now, um, hydraulic? Are they still using? uh, Are they using drums, drums and shoes? What are they using these
4: these days? I think most scooters are hydraulic. Yeah, disc yes. Okay. I mean, there might be some very cheap fifty cc bikes that still use cable brakes. You know, maybe for the rear at least. But but you know, those are going to be the outliers. I think.
1: You know, and and Emma, that's something that surprises me. On there are still new bikes coming out of the factory that have. Uh, you know, shoes on the back. And they're perfectly they adequate. have drum brakes. The yeah. They're, they're perfect, still making them.
0: They're perfectly adequate. If your rear brake is strong enough to lock up the rear wheel, then everything comes down to how it feels. And a well-set-up drum on the rear is equal to any disc. The one thing it can't do is dispel heat as well as the disc. Mm-hmm. So it is a little more prone to overheating. Um,
1: Do you think that there's a big difference between a single piston, double or triple piston?
0: I mean, there can be. At the end of the day, you're just hauling down one disc. Um, I mean, they go up to what, like six piston? Yeah. I mean, yeah. a six piston caliper, they are amazingly powerful, but they can feel a little bit wooden. And you get to a level of complexity that... If everything's working well, it's a wonderful thing. But it's such a complex piece of device, it's like, you know, I'm not sure about this. The default right now seems to be twin-piston calipers with sli- sliding twin-piston calipers mm-hmm. um, on the entry-level bikes and then monoblocks with quad pistons on the on the big stuff, and it works really, really well. And when I say a monoblock, I mean the caliper is cast as one piece mm-hmm. and not bolted together left and right. Um, so there's very little distortion in it. And they seem to work superbly.
1: I, I will say on a lot of my older bikes, I have replaced the master cylinder because I think they just get like like pipes in a house. They get kind of a, just can get gummed up and restricted well, a little bit and you don't realize it. And there's a lot of companies that are making... Aftermarket. Aftermarket reproduction. Well,
0: again, we've talked about this so many times before, but it's always worth reiterating Mm -hmm. it. Brake fluid is hygroscopic. Mm -hmm. It will take any moisture that is around in the air and it's attracted to it. So the brake fluid is containing corrosive contaminants that is eating into your master cylinder, that's eating into the piston in the master cylinder, that's eating into the seals. By nature, the, the brake fluid saying, you know, come come to me. I love you. So there you are.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize um, uh, master cylinders, you can rebuild. I know I've ordered the new Reservoir because you get some of these older bikes where it's cloudy and maybe getting warped or a little cracked. Oh, you can
0: buy everything.
1: And you can just rebuild. The, all the metal bits are pr- going to be pretty good when you strip it all apart and replace— the reservoir, the cap, all that stuff, you can completely rebuild it.
0: Yep. And the Good piston and the seals, run a little tiny little boring, hone down it and get it nice and clean again inside. Oh, you can do any number of things to them.
1: Yeah. Well, we're um, waiting for our guest. She's going to be on any second now. Ooh, I, she, that's the first clue who the guest is. Wow. Exciting. Second, <laughs> second clue is it's somebody who I have met in person, which is pretty cool. Uh, even though she doesn't live anywhere near here. Um, while we're waiting, Emma, what do you want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> blimey. drop it on you. Yeah, no, put <laughs> me on the spot. Um, no, I wanted to
1: talk about um, what a fun group the Misfits are to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, we were saying the AIM Expo was not, you know, it wasn't open to the public. There was no. a lot of vendors missing. We still had a blast, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
0: And actually, I... I think they would be hard-pressed to admit it publicly, but people actually enjoyed seeing us coming towards them because at least they knew they were going to be entertained.
1: We're a little bit of a party. (laughs) Yes. A little
0: bit. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't you say the highlight? Who was it who said the highlight of the trip was hearing me and you argue about peas?
3: (laughs) Oh, that was the greatest
0: conversation I've ever heard. You know you, <laughs> you know you. You know you 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 better not be disrespectful to garden peas in my presence, oh. Miss Miller.
1: Uh, you know you had two, you said two favorite moments. One yeah. was Emma and I arguing about peas, <laughs> and then the other one. You remember
3: my favorite other
1: with, pe- with me and Jim.
3: I uh, you know I'm still playing with half a now. Yeah, you right still
1: have a day. I'll just say for. Whatever reason, uh, Jim ended up sleeping on the floor of of my uh, hotel room.
0: Like a dog <laughs>
3: at the foot of the bed.
1: And I, I will say that Jim is the, the little brother that I always wished I had. And there are sometimes we just get into giggling. I mean, they just fits. giggled
3: for like a half an hour. It's, it was so funny.
1: It's like two, three o'clock in the morning. And we're just like giggling and having fun. And, and I, so so I called Haley Bell. The only person who was up at <laughs> that time. <Yeah. laughs> and we nice. were just giggling in a dark room, <laughs> talking on the phone, and she thought it was hysterical. No, we we, <laughs> we had fun. But we definitely had a party. Oh, we need to do a shout-out to one of our new friends.
3: Gomi. Gomi! Oh, Gomi is a, he's the man. Gomi, Gomi from National Cycle.
1: So, um, Bagel, yeah, I interviewed Gomi about windshields. But Mm. we were talking to him, Uh, his name is Paul Gomez, but he said, uh, so he's from Santa Cruz. He grew up in Santa Cruz, went to Harbor High and everything. And he said that he was Corbin employee number two.
4: Wow.
0: And
1: so Mike Corbin gave him the nickname of Gomi. Cool. Cool. Yeah, he was, he was a really cool guy. Shout out to Gomi. Uh, just another one of the great people that we met there. Um, but now it's time to introduce our special guest. And I'm so excited about this. This is someone I've been waiting a long time. Well, she's
0: smiling.
1: That's good. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, um, and this is somebody also that people have said, Hey, you really need to get this person on there on your show. Well, we finally made it happen. Um, and, Partly because on my last trip to Pakistan, I got to meet her in person. You're probably wondering who it is. Who is it? It's Rosie Gabrielle. Hey, Rosie, how are you? Hey, Rosie. Hi. Hey. Hi. How are you? Hey, so you've got uh, Emma and Stumpy Hello, John, John. Like and no, Bagel family. here okay. with Hello. us. How you doing? And you look like you are in the nice, warm tundra of Canada.
5: Very cozy. Yeah, I've got heating. It's so <laughs> exciting. Oh my gosh. There's <laughs> the small things that you take for granted in life and I'm just so grateful.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh-huh. um, for people who don't know who Rosie is, uh, maybe do, do. Uh, Rosie, you would say you're, you're most well known for your YouTube channel, for vlogging your travels, uh, moto travels around the world. Is that how you sum it up?
5: I guess
1: so yeah um let's get into how you started that because i don't think you were you weren't necess- were you a rider at home or did it start with traveling first
5: um it started with traveling first my yeah. very first uh solo motorcycle journey i was 19 and i went across southeast asia so i did about 12,000 kilometers uh by myself then but uh that was way back in the day. <laughs> so, and that's
1: one of the first things that's kind of exceptional about Rosie. You are a solo traveler, which is not easy. So, uh, how long ago was that first trip across uh, Asia? Um, uh, was that oh,
5: seventeen
1: years? Yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago. And yeah. what were you writing in, in the day? Back, back in the day. <laughs> what, what What were you writing?
5: Yeah, well, I had never ridden two wheels up until that point. And so I went to Southeast Asia. Um, I wanted an adventure. I wanted to get off the beaten path. And when I got there, um, it wasn't quite what I anticipated. So uh, I rented one of these semi-automatic scooter type things uh, for the weekend. And I was pretty much sold. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is how I have to travel. So in Chiang Mai, I bought a bike, a 125cc. And... um, Back then, there was no GPS, there was no fancy phones or anything like this, you had a paper map. So I was basically like, okay, all right, let's go. <laughs> so then I did, um, it's not even like logistically possible to cross the borders. I don't even know how I got away with it. But I did, I did Thailand, uh, Lao, Vietnam and Cambodia. And uh, yeah, and that kind of set me off on this new love for two wheels and adventure riding. And it kind of, yeah, it was part of it all. You woke the beast. I did. Yeah. So, and how <laughs> long, no going back. how long
1: did that trip take?
5: Uh, that was six months and I did uh, 12,000 kilometers.
1: Uh, and you so said I, you were wow. ni-
5: 19? 19. Yeah. Wow. Dude. Young spring chicken.
1: Yeah. So that, that's I mean, awesome. that's incredible. So, you, so traveling was your first passion though?
5: Um, I was introduced to a bunch of like different group kind of travels. Before that, I did a lot of volunteer trips to Guatemala, Romania. I was working um, with orphanages and children and these sort of things. So I kind of got to see a different perspective at life um, at a very young age. And so seeing this, I, I I really wanted to see more and I wanted to explore and go deep.
1: All right, uh, she's now turned into a bad robot. Rosie, <laughs> if you can hear me... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no, Rosie, you guys, right. if you can hear me, you've turned into a bad robot. I think the internet connection... Oh, no, we dropped oh. her. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so uh, she's going to come back. And when she comes back, we'll I just ask her to maybe turn her video off. You guys, did you catch all that? 19 years old and set yeah. off for six months. That's yeah. already... This and, is not and, standard. And,
4: and no writing experience. And
1: no writing yeah. experience.
4: Third writing. <laughs> I have
0: a suspicion she's not short of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. I uh, think in order yeah. to embark on a trip like that, you have to be pretty cocksure of yourself.
1: You know what? I'm just taking a guess here. Somebody who, who's just spent a brief time with her. I think it's not n- as much confidence as it is putting faith in the world.
0: Mm. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that's true.
1: And I'm basing that on the fact that because she, she vlogs her trips. So you see the times that she's struggling and she's having trouble and she has to rely on the help of strangers. And that's one of the things that's kind of uh, cool that she shares, you know, not just here I am doing this and going here and meeting this. She, she shares her struggles and the hard parts, um, as we're waiting for her to come back that's too bad. Did it, did that pique her interest? She's got some pretty interesting stories.
4: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't realize so. that's how she got started writing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, and so I'll share it. Yeah. So when I met her, um, uh, and we'll just kind of skip ahead cause this is kind of my personal connection to her. Um, when I was doing my first Chickistan trip, uh, 2017, I think. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 2019. No, whenever. Yeah. yeah, So anyway, yeah, 2017. Uh, Mm -hmm. She had never been to Pakistan and she was looking for another adventure. And we had kind of um, reached out to one another. um, But it didn't work out for her coming on the trip, partly because she's used to being a solo traveler. And I think she was really just looking for somebody to kind of give her advice, not to come on a group tour kind of thing. So she passed on it, but she did find her way there eventually. And she ended up uh, meeting somebody and falling in love and moving there.
3: Wow! Yeah. yeah,
1: I know, I know. Love conquers all. Oh, but let's see. Let's <laughs> see if we can get it from her herself. She's coming back in. Let's have a look. All right. Oh, you're back. Oh, sorry about that, guys. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, your inner connection was given out, so I've been filling in some of the blanks.
5: Yeah, that's true. if so it, if it goes
1: bad again, we'll just have you turn off your um your video, and maybe that'll make it easier.
5: Okay. Yeah.
1: So, all right. So, you did this Southeast Asia six months. Did you you went back home to Canada.
5: Yeah, I went back home to Canada. Bought my first big girl bike. What what, <laughs> what was a, it? A nineteen eighty three Honda Shadow, and that's still like my daily rider these days. <laughs> like I've had it for. <laughs> uh six fifteen, sixteen years now and I've never I've had to clean the carb and that's about it.
1: Right. All this gold is <laughs> gold. Oh, nice. <laughs> now when you return from a trip like that, you've you've it's like you've tasted the blood. You want more <laughs> fresh meat, right? Is that hard coming back?
5: It is. It's kind of like reverse culture shock. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, life is so boring. I need to go out and adventure again.
1: (laughs) So what you must have been planning right away. What what did you plan next?
5: Well, I actually needed money first because (laughs) after that big of a trip, (laughs) I had nothing left. So I was 20 years old and I was like, okay, I need money. And someone's like, Hey, you're a really good singer. I was like, Oh, they're like, You should do something with it. I was like, never thought about that. Okay. So I applied to a band, and next thing I know, I'm shipped off to Oman to perform in this high caliber, uh, five star band in the (laughs) Middle East. You know, like you do, right? Need some money? Don't want a job at McDonald's? So I'm gonna be in a a band. Why not? So that was, you know, I went off to the Middle East, and that was my first introduction over there at 20. Okay, I didn't
1: know about that. So now you're traveling in a band.
5: (laughs) Yeah. And how long did you do that for? Uh, I did that for a couple of years. I played uh, predominantly in Oman and Dubai and then uh, stayed out there for some time. I was I was a rock climbing instructor for a couple years. And then I started up my own photography company and I was working for the royal family for some time. So wow. I kind of got caught up in this, you know, momentum of life. And I was like, OK, what's next? What's next? What, what do you have for me now, life? So, uh, yeah, but... I wasn't as much as I loved my job and what I was doing because it was quite thrilling and exciting. Uh, I just wasn't happy, you know. In my heart, I'm like, "Why aren't I riding my motorcycle around the world?" Because after I did that trip when I was 19, that was my dream, right? Like all I wanted to do was ride around the world, and it wasn't in fact because you asked me when did this whole YouTube and you know full time travel mm-hmm. thing started. It wasn't until uh, a friend of mine passed away about six years ago uh, in a car accident. And he was 31. And I was like, and I was going through our Facebook messages and over the years of the same thing. I'm like, okay, I'm not happy with my life. I just want to be riding my motorcycle around the world. And I was like, hello, why have I not listened to myself? What am I doing? And I realized like in that moment, like, Life is so precious and it's so short. And have I done everything I wanted to do in my life up until now? Like, if I die tomorrow, am I happy? I was like, hell no, like, I'm not (laughs) living life. (laughs) So um, it was a bit of a, you can say, a big decision because at that moment, um, I was kind of rock bottom in my life. And it was like I could stay at home and be depressed and do nothing, or I can like push myself and try to go out there. And, uh, but I also had chronic illness that I was faced up against and a lot of pain. And so I was like, well, how can I do this? How can I go out there on a bike trip? Like, how can I do this? And it's like, well, what are your options here? So um, at the same time, I, I really felt like I saw the world differently and I wanted to share that with people. And I just had this vision of inspiring millions of people and I had no idea. I was so afraid in front of a camera I can't imagine back then I was just like uh, like so <laughs> so uh, insecure and so nervous but I was like I don't know how I'm gonna do it I don't even have a bike there's no way I'm taking my shadow around the world I mean it can be done but uh I was like I don't have a bike I don't know what I'm doing but I know I want to go out there so I just pushed myself and doors just opened and I got bikes and things just happened and it was awesome that was six years ago now so I started this kind of full-time travel journey and documenting it. And was that Africa? Uh, I started in Oman because at Mm -hmm. the time um, I had already packed up my stuff. I wasn't living in Oman anymore because I was there for about 10 years, Uh, but I knew the country and I was working part-time. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start here. Uh, It's an amazing country to travel, like literally, uh, it's there's so much vast land and adventure and just diverse scenery and amazing people, and so that's the place that I started because I was really comfortable there, and um, so I did three tours across Oman in different areas, and then after that I went to South Africa, and you know kind of like this whole I have no idea how it's going to do because I didn't have a bike, but at that time on social media someone reached out to me and they're like it was a german guy he's like oh i rode my bike from zanzibar to cape town and it's stuck there and the carnet is running out he's like can you return my bike for me to zanzibar i was like uh yeah i can <laughs> so <laughs> i just like all right you know book the ticket to south africa and it was a yamaha xt660 mm-hmm. and i was so ready i planned this big route all across africa i was so stoked for it and I arrived in Cape Town. I took one look at this bike. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> 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 this thing had been sitting by the ocean, rusting oh. like from the inside oh. out for seven oh, years. No. Oh, Yeah, so I was like, I was like, "Does this thing run?" You know. And I already had sponsors and everything. And I was like, "How am I going to do this?" And what was meant to be a six-month trip, kind of zigzagging across Africa, I spent six months in South Africa breaking down. Like, every, oh. everything on that bike fell apart, and I spent more time in mechanics and at the side of the road than you can ever imagine.
4: <laughs> oh, jeez.
5: So, yeah, so...
1: So when when we lost you for a second there... One of the yeah. things came up is, wow, she's doing a trip that early and taking on these big trips. And I said, she must be a really confident person. I said, I'm not sure it's that I feel like, and I'm guessing, and you can tell me if I'm correct. I yeah. feel like she's somebody who puts her faith in the world and in the strangers wow. and people she hasn't met. Is that is that kind of what it is? Because I know in a lot of your videos, you share your hardships. Yeah. You share your struggles. You share, you know, I remember there's one video where you dropped your bike. Where was it? You were like on some dirt road going over a mountain or something and you dropped your bike Mm -hmm. and couldn't pick it up Mm
5: -hmm. and had
1: to like hike back into town and go ask for help. Mm -hmm. Where was that?
5: Uh, Well, That that happened a lot. It was really funny because within the first year that I traveled, you know, I followed all these motorcycle forms and everyone's telling me you have to pick your bike up this way, you know, the back way. And I have a compressed disc in my back and that does not work for my body. But I was like, you know, religiously following these people, like, okay, that's what you have to do. So I never tried my own way. So when the bike would fall, I could not physically pick it up without harming myself. So Mm -hmm. I would always in the first bike, the first tour I did was on a KLR 650. And I could not touch Mm -hmm. the ground. So Mm -hmm. every time I went to if I stopped, or if I hesitated, I put my foot down, I'd slip and just, you know, slowly took the bike over. So then I always needed help. And uh, it was funny because it wasn't until like a year later. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and do it my own way. And I I leant down and I just picked it up by the handlebar and it went whoop. I was like, oh, well, I could have done that the whole time. <laughs> but in saying that, these experiences when my bike would fall mm-hmm. and I needed to uh, rely on strangers and have this trust – I had some of the most beautiful experiences and encounters and cultural interactions that maybe if I was just blasting through the pace on my own, you know, time, then I never would have had these beautiful encounters. And like you said, Liza, it's like, you know, I get that question often is, oh, aren't you afraid as a solo female? And it's like, actually I'm not because it's like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen at any given time. And we have no control over that. And the more fear that I hold, you know, that's going to, to stop me or to affect my journey. And if I just kind of allow things to unfold and happen, then it's kind of like, that's part of the adventure. That is the adventure. The adventure isn't the destination. It's these experiences you have along the way. And in my experience, especially with people, it's like, the energy you put out is what you receive. So, if you mm-hmm. give love and you know you're treating everyone as an equal, like when you open your heart up to that, like what you receive is, you know, this is the most beautiful part of traveling. One of the most beautiful traveling is, yeah, is this. yeah.
1: and I think that's one of the things that kind of sets apart your your journey in video is the highs and lows that you share, which are pretty extreme highs and lows. You kind of just share it all, right? Um, yeah. So, let's see, you did South Africa, and then where'd you go? Back, did you go back home?
5: Yeah, so at the end of the six month, my bike actually blew up in mm. Johannesburg. As I was entering the city, I see this welcome <laughs> to, to, to Johannesburg, and my engine just went, Phew. I was like, whoa! Oh, no. Talk about a phenomenal ending. I was like, okay, if I was actually like like South Africa is pretty um, uh, like they have (laughs) resources there. If I was actually in the heart of Africa any further, I would have probably been really screwed if I attempted that. So I was like, okay, bikes did, I'll take it. Uh, But I did get to cross Lesotho as well before that. So that was, that was awesome. Um, But yeah, I know after that, uh, I kinda left it up to the universe to decide. I'm not a very good uh, decision maker. So I was just like, okay, give me a sign. Where am I going next? Am I off to South America? Am I going to tour the Middle East? Am I going back to Africa? Where? What's happening here? And uh, that's when I got an invitation to go to Pakistan.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to prior, to, prior to that is when we first kind of met on social media and kind of been mm. talking because you were interested in going to Pakistan. Yeah. And I was doing yeah, a tour, yeah. but you're like, well, I'm not really a, a group tour kind of person. I'm a solo traveler. I get it now, mm-hmm. especially after watching a lot of your videos and, but you know, you're not as open to the, whatever's going to happen if, if you're uh, by a, in a group, you're on an agenda, you know? So,
5: mm-hmm. um, but I you, travel very slowly. So the group is yeah. very intimidating to me to be on like a regimented schedule. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh no, I have to take my time. <laughs> so
1: you, you made it to Pakistan and tell the story of how you met a deal.
5: <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. So uh, should we got, say
1: who Adil is to you right now? Adil's my, my husband. Yes it is love of
5: my life. Yeah, <laughs> and he is a handsome man. He is. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm very lucky. Uh no, it's it's funny how that all happened, really. Um, because I got invited on this, it was a group tour actually. It mm-hmm. was like a one week social media thing. I was like, oh, I don't really do group tours, but if you're paying for my visa and my flight, I was like, okay, I can suck it up. I was like, so long <laughs> as I can do whatever I want when you guys leave. They're like, sure, why not? And so at the time, obviously, I did motorcycle travel, and I was like, okay, Pakistan, I'm ready for this. I'm going to ride a bike across the whole country. And maybe you can call it a bit naive. I'd like to call it just Blissfully ignorant. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really know the logistics about crossing the country. I didn't know if it was possible. I didn't know about security. I didn't know about any of this. And I really don't follow media or, you know, current events or what's happening. Um, but I was just like, I'm going to do it. So <laughs> I, uh, I reached out to a girl that I follow on social media, who you met, uh, Jennifer mm-hmm. She's a Pakistani biker, uh, female. And so I was like, "Hey Zenith, do you know anyone in the traveling community who's in the who's a biker and who like knows the country through and through? Who can tell me the logistics? Tell me where to go, all everything I need to know, and who can help me with a sponsored bike?" And she gave me the number of a deal. He was my now husband. <laughs> and so uh, when I first met him, it was you know nothing out of the ordinary, but uh, he was my very first contact. And of course, well, nothing out of the ordinary there, there was a connection there, <laughs> but, um, he, he's an amazing traveler. And since he was about 15, he's been traveling the whole country, uh, by foot, by hitchhike, by bike, by every means. So he really knows the country. And so, um, he set me off on the adventure. He told me where to go. And so for, it was almost eleven months mm-hmm. I spent crossing. I did five thousand kilometers across the south and six thousand kilometers across the north. And um yeah, it was it was a life changing experience. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, as you know, I've been there a few times. Bagel has been there, they rode vintage Vespas up to Countaram. Wow, amazing. Yeah. And John is going to be yeah. there in June. Yep. For his first time. Ooh.
5: Wow, John, come say hello in Hunza. <laughs> oh, I totally will. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. he's
1: going to be yeah. with Moyne, so you probably are going to meet John. Um, oh,
5: cool.
1: And I mean, so they—I mean, uh, at least Bagel knows this is not an easy task traveling around, especially alone in Pakistan. Mm. Um, I'm curious, did it did it meet your expectations?
5: Oh, more. Absolutely. I try not to have expectations when I travel. Mm-hmm. And I don't really do any research. Like I don't even look at pictures because I just like I want to go and I want to experience I don't want someone else's experience and them telling me how it's going to be. I want to experience it by myself. So what was really interesting, especially in the south is that because of um not really security issues, but as everyone knows, there has been an instability within the country in years past, but that was like 10 years ago. And because the country is still kind of building this, you know, they just want to make sure everything is okay. And having uh, foreigners and tourists is a relatively new thing for them. Um, In the South foreigners were required to have security uh, to go anywhere, just, just to be sure. Um, but it wasn't really necessary. So I was able, I put in a proposal to the government and I said, look, I want to travel and I want to showcase the the people, my interactions mm-hmm. as like a vulnerable solo female. What is my experience, a real experience? And if I have some guy with an AK-47 behind me, it doesn't really give that, that, you know, you can't really have an authentic experience. Um, so I was actually granted to travel completely without security by myself
1: and we, and we have to be honest you don't always travel alone exactly there's you sometimes somebody's with you when you're traveling yeah. Somebody strapped to your chest maybe oh winston
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah. i travel with my dog
1: <laughs> winston do <laughs> i bet winston's yeah. been is a well-traveled uh, dog isn't he moto traveler
5: he is. He's got goggles and all. He's crossed <laughs> all of Oman with me, uh, most of the states, Canada, and now um, parts of Pakistan as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, wow. I didn't bring him on that trip because I, uh, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. But yeah, he's my little furry companion.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's been all over. So yeah. so you spent quite a, a lot of time there. So I think, is it fair to say you fell in love with two things there? The, the country and a deal?
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the country is stunning. You know, it's one of these places that's so diverse the the landscapes, the great thing about Pakistan is that it's fairly untouched by tourism. And I really hope it stays like that. Um, I'm not pro tourism at all. Um, I, I I hope they evolve in a responsible way with that. But right now you can go so many places and you're literally the only person you're like in the middle of the Himalayan mountains and there's nobody else around. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most surreal um incredible experiences to to feel that. and um, yeah, so the the people there, the land, uh of course, a deal at the end of my trip because across uh, the journey that I was, he was also traveling, so we'd meet in Karachi or we would meet here and we'd spend a couple of days here and a couple of days there.
1: So um what were you riding um across Pakistan? Mm-hmm.
5: In the south, I had uh, the 700 GS BMW, which was a really awesome bike. I loved it. Um, In the north, because there's uh, a lot of tricky places I knew I was going to be going, and the 700 is a bit difficult to maneuver, especially the amount of crap that I carry on the bike. (laughs) It's just like, uh, you know, if it falls down, it's a bit of a pain. So I actually switched to Uh, 250 Tekken, which I would not recommend, but that's the bike I rode. I I was getting to it. Is that the
1: ones that you still have or those are different? It's the one that you still have, so I saw it. So we were talking just earlier in the podcast about Chinese bikes and that are coming along. I will say um, it looks like a really cool bike from like 10 feet. It looks really cool. Yeah.
5: so if, 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 if you don't want to get stuck or stranded anywhere or, you know, like it's, it's not reliable. I, I can't say because I, I actually was speaking to someone, one of my followers the other day um, from South America who had the Tekken. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I hear so many people having these bikes and loving them, but I don't know if it's like the manufacturer because they're being built in Pakistan now. I don't know if they have like a different quality standard, mm-hmm. but both bikes that I've had, there was so many issues, like literally, like mm. a liability, like, like well, things it, would seize and throw you off the bike, or yeah,
1: ooh. yeah. I think you were pointing out to me you had like a lot of little things just
5: breaking on it. Yeah, like the clutch, like yeah. like literally, I drove off the the lot and the clutch just burnt like the minute I got in traffic, the clutch was gone and I didn't oh, even geez. have to pull the accelerator. I was like, I was like, whoa. Oh, geez. You know? And then I was crossing DOSI, which is like 13,000 mm. meters above sea level. And my clutch went and I'm in the middle of nowhere by myself. You know, you don't want these kind of issues. You want reliability.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. those are some of the pros and cons, but yeah. in a place like Pakistan, they are quite affordable. And, um, No, Mm. no. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of options. You have to import bikes.
5: Yeah. Compared to, and even though they have a manufacturer in Pakistan now, the taxes, like for example, okay, if you wanted to buy a $15,000 BMW in America, the same exact bike would cost you 60 or $70,000 in Pakistan because of the import duty. Yeah, it's expensive. You know, I was like, how? Like And so this bike, the Tekken, it's about $7,000. On an American, you're about $6,000. Mm. So mm. You, know, you can buy a nice Honda for that, uh, CRF in Canada. And, yeah. And,
1: and since Bagel knows the area, Bagel, even though, Adil's from Lahore, right? Where he knows more? He's,
5: he lives in Lahore, yeah. So,
1: yeah. Um, th- They're not living in the city. They're up in in Hunza. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And you, what, you got a little farm. When, when I was there, you were excited. You just got a, you, know, it came, you said the house came with a
5: cow. Yeah, we have a cow. <laughs> and, and you we just, had, we and you got two a, cows and a goat. And you got a goat. Gertie, Gertie. yeah. Wow. a simple life. Yeah. That's amazing.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: But, you, got, you know, when, when we moved up there, everyone's like, oh, the north, you know, you're going to have a hard time. We're like, yeah, we got this, you know. um. Hmm. So it went down to minus 10. There was we have no heat, like nothing in our house, and um, like yeah, no heat, no hot water. So trying to, and we had no electricity for one month, and my husband just happened to have a project outside, so I was stuck with no electricity, like really roughing it for about one month. Wow! I was like, well, this is the true experience getting to get to feel with the locals,
1: and it's kind of interesting because you're somebody who has been taking on challenges. And, and adventures your whole life, and now that you're, you know, in 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 Pakistan, you're still facing challenges and adventures, whole new level, and on yeah. a whole different level, which you're still sharing on your YouTube channel. Um, yeah. so are there any more big trips that you're planning, or that you have in the future you would you know like to do?
5: yeah well i mean it's everything's a little bit unpredictable now with the current global situation Mm -hmm. um i'm actually waiting for my husband to come join me here in canada Uh, i had to marry the man with the worst passport in the world (laughs) oh no (laughs) Uh, so we wanted to do like a big tour down to the states um when he's here spend the next few months because pakistan like where we live in the north uh we got big balls, but not that big. It's like, mm, no electricity, <laughs> no heat. What can we do? So we're going to hold off. We are going back there for summer. So hopefully see you guys there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the meantime, yeah, if he gets his visa here, we'll do that. Or kind of whatever opens up. We want to spend the summer back in the north of Pakistan and then um, pack up. And now that we're together, like just start exploring the world and uh, see where life takes us. What a great life! Nice. I know,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'll yeah, I'll be out there in September again. I've already got amazing. another group of amazing women signed up. Yeah, um, they're just and actually a bunch of women from the last trip that you met have signed up for this one. They loved it so awesome. much. They're like, I'm coming again. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. So we're going to be uh, coming there doing all sorts of stuff. John will be there with another group. Yep. Bagel, you know you're going back someday.
4: I definitely want to i really really want to i keep thinking about it and i i can't wait to get back
5: so yeah and come up we've we've got a spare room like there's bike rentals in the area too yeah. like join the group and then just hang out afterwards and do your own thing like like there's so much adventure right at our back door it's it's insane yeah oh. I, and, i'd
4: love to see more of unza
1: and uh you have to go try the is it the yak burgers bagel you gotta try the yak burgers is that where we went to lunch wow. that day was it yak burgers yeah yes the <laughs> yeah. yak grill yeah the yak grill they're yak burgers like,
4: yeah
5: yum could,
4: could that be cha-cha's chicken though
5: you can pretend
1: it's chicken oh no have you been at cha-cha's yeah. chicken in uh gilded no. Oh, yeah, you got to go oh. get Cha Cha's
5: chicken. Oh, it's
4: so good. Cha Cha's so chicken. Cha Cha's
5: and... chicken. Put that Cha-Cha on. Cha
4: Cha's the this. best chicken in the world.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Done. Doing it. But yeah, like wait about, (laughs) I'd say 20 minutes from my house is the entrance to Shimshal Valley, which is the world's second most dangerous route in the world. Mm
2: -hmm. And I took
5: a a girl who was visiting Ghazal, a local Pakistani girl. She had just learned to ride a bike two months prior. And I stole her from her dad. Her and her dad were doing a route around the (laughs) north. I was like, Kazi, I'm stealing your daughter. (laughs) <laughs> and I took her on this route and oh my gosh, I'm just releasing that video this week and I'm super excited. Oh, um, wow. The, yeah. We, the we timing is perfect. All sorts- mm, yeah.
1: We, we're, we have added Shimshall to our tours. Uh, so I, I don't think I've talked about this much. So sh- the road to Shimshall Valley was only like built like what, like five years ago or something. It's, it's new yeah. and it's carved out of the, the side of a mountain. There's, I mean it's literally just carved. There's landslides all the time. There's no guardrails. Yeah, and it's like a
5: two hundred meter drop. Two hundred meters. About drop. two and a half meters. Yeah. I don't even know how cars like bypass them, but yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's just a drop.
1: And it's it's yeah. built as one of the, you know, the most dangerous roads in the world to Shimshall. You can look it up. Um, and I cannot wow. wait to go there. But now I can't wait to see your video that's gonna be coming out.
5: Yeah, let me send you the teaser. I've just done the first teaser, and it's pretty epic. I was really scared to release this um, because I was like, "Oh, her parents are going to kill me." There was one part; Uh, it was it was quite intense. Like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the teaser. It's it's pretty it's full on. And yeah. when
1: we say road, it's not like a paved road. And also when we say carved out of the mountain, it's like the size that it's the, the width of a car. So, car. so if yeah. you like have a hammer and chisel, so if you have like a <laughs> yeah. car coming and you're coming with your group of motorcycles, it's like hug the side. And yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, yeah. Rosie, I wanted to thank you for coming on and sharing yeah, your thank story. You.
5: Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. What an honor. And it's so great to meet all of you. And, um thank you so much. Yeah, yeah.
3: so hope to see That's you in Pakistan you this summer. That would be great. Likewise yeah. and
5: uh, we'll be up there come uh, late June time. So we live right in uh, Gulmit in mm-hmm. uh, upper Hunza there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right uh, at Adventures Door. So and anytime you want to come if you want to know anything about the country or what to do Yeah, just hit me up and I would love to share with you guys.
1: And Rosie, do you want to share your info for anyone who wants to know more about you or to follow you?
5: Sure, it's just my name, Rosie Gabrielle, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and I not only share my motorcycle adventures, um, but I share a lot about what I've learned in life because, as you mentioned, I've had a a challenge or two. Mm -hmm. And so I have definitely um, uh, a unique perspective on life and how, you know, because a lot of my my travels it's not about conquering countries and and traveling across on a motorbike it's it's really traveling to the depths of my own soul and conquering my own mind and becoming the best version of myself so um i share all that hippy dippy lovely stuff on my (laughs) channels as well if you want to learn a thing or two or just get inspired um but yeah that's that's what i do emma do you smell that
1: nice oh yeah cookies i smell a cookies? book coming Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well good well thank yeah, you so much for coming you. on um yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward i'll let you know when we're coming out there in september with another group i'm sure it's always fun you. you seem to find out when we're there i don't know how but it's i guess <laughs> like the word is out the, the the tourists are here the tourists
5: are here yeah, well, Moen, I follow Moen and yeah. he posted you guys. So I knew when you guys landed, I was like, I'm so excited to meet them. This group nice. of amazing women. And I hope I get to spend some time with you guys. So maybe I can just, you know, ride a couple of days with you guys next time or just hang out, spend yeah. more time. Cause well, well, it's that's really
1: cool. it, it was funny. On the last awesome. trip there, um, we were at, left uh, like um, Karimabad and we're heading past the Buddha Rocks. And this guy pulls up next to me. And I look over, and I'm like, Hey, you're that guy from Rosie's videos. <laughs> it really? was a deal. He came. Yeah. He, he ran into us oh, on the road. Hey, hey, I know you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty funny. Nice.
2: Cool. Yeah, well, thank smiling. you very much. And I do yeah, uh,
1: recommend if you, if you haven't been following Rosie, go check out her videos. There's a lot to see, not just that, but you have a really good eye and uh, you do some great photography. Excellent. Photography.
5: Thank you. I'm actually coming out. I just filmed uh, basically a photographer, photography tutorial for anyone who I wants know. to know how to take pictures of themselves. It will be out in the next few weeks or so, um, how I take my portraits, because that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Everyone always asks me, they're like, oh, there's no way uh, yeah. you take your pictures or you definitely have a film crew with you because my videos are quite the production, you know. I am a pain in my own ass because I'm that much of a perfectionist. I can't have one camera angle. I gotta have five, and I got tripods, and I've got I've got drones, and I've got GoPros. So when you see my videos, you're like, "Well, she's got people filming for her." I was like, "No, no, no, I do it myself." That's that's why I'm like exhausted. And that really blows me away
3: because I I was watching those, and I'm like, "No, she's got people with her." If you don't, that's that is truly magical what you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's
3: beautiful photography.
1: Thank, All right. you so well, much. Thank, thank you, Rosie, you. for staying with us. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. All right. Yeah. We'll let Take you care. go, and we'll finish up. we got some emails to read, but definitely go and follow uh, Rosie Gabrielle. It is worth thank
5: it. Thank
1: you, but. Liza. Thank right. you, guys. Thank Bye, you. Bye. Pleasure. All right,
0: Bye. See you. How cool, right? That was right? awesome. How cool. You know, the, it, yeah. the true heart of a traveler.
1: She, I know. She has an adventurous heart. Just the story is pretty amazing, right? Right. Uh, uh, yeah, all of that. But just just a wonderful human being as well. And it's just interesting how she just opens herself up and just lets whatever's going to happen, happen. Um, speaking of whatever's going to happen, let's make some emails happen. Am uh, I, you've got two. Why don't you read one? And then Bagel, you got the one I sent you? Uh, yes, I do. And why don't you cue that one up?
0: Um, So, I have a message here from Terrell, who's in Concord, North Carolina. Oh. Hi, Terrell. Dear Motorcycles and Misfits, you are my go-to podcast for motorcycle continuing education points. Very well done. Thank you. And in the vein of that, dear Miss Emma, in the mid-70s, I had a wonderful Suzuki TC90, lovely little bike that is, that had a dual-range transmission, four low low gears for dirt and four high gears for road. You engaged the clutch and kicked a lever with your left foot to switch between the two. Yes, yes, yes. A nifty invention for quick, easy, substantial change in gearing. Given all the chatter about the best ratios for front and rear sprocket teeth in bike forums, why was this capability never carried forward to modern ADV bikes? Best, Terrell, Concord, North Carolina. (coughs) Mm. Would you like to know the answer to that? Yeah. Yeah. It's really quite simple. Real estate. Now, back in the 60s and 70s, the TC90 wasn't the only bike that had high-low transmission. Could you name another one, John?
3: It's probably wrong with the Honda Matic.
0: Not the Honda Matic, but the Honda CT90. There you go. Had a high-low uh-huh.
3: range. You yeah, know
1: that. yeah. And a and couple… A CT 110. And CT110. Right. I had a CT70 with that, didn't I?
0: There you go. But the one thing all these mm-hmm. bikes have in common is they're small-capacity bikes. When you're actually taking the torque reaction from the transmission and actually running it through a set of gears to change the ratio, the gears have to be fairly substantial to take that amount of power. The bigger the bike, the more power, the more bigger the gears need to be. Now, can you name me Liza, mm-hmm. because you have owned one, mm-hmm. a large bike with high low transmission? Mm. Yes, you can.
1: Oh, CB900C.
0: Yes. Yeah. Is there something else you can tell me about that bike?
1: I can tell a lot of things. What are you looking for? That it's the extra parts bike from Honda? That no. it has the crossover transmission? It's fucking huge. <laughs> it's huge? It yeah. is huge. Yeah. Because
0: the actual, the little gearbox within yeah. itself that you needed for the high-low had to be very, very large with larger gears and bearings to support that amount of power. And that really answers the question.
1: And why was that there? Well, I mean, the bike was... I know the answer.
0: You you tell me what you think.
1: uh, Because that motor is from the CB900F, which is a left side chain drive. Yes. And the... Rear end and drive is a right-side shaft from the Goldwing, and they had to marry the two.
0: Well, it, it was a byproduct. And you've so got that to, was you, the crossover. You, you, I was going to say you've got to be careful that you're not putting the chicken before the egg. Yeah. It was a byproduct. But basically to put a high mm-hmm. and low option on a bike with a decent amount of power you need a lot of real estate yeah. and that's why you don't see it now yeah um it's as simple as that bikes make a lot more power than that old TC90 and the CT70 and the CT110 and you would end up with a big old lump somewhere yeah so it's far easier now especially with the way modern engines are generally most modern fuel injected engines have got a reasonably flat torque curve So you can just utilize ratios better than the old days.
1: I understand that it didn't survive because it takes up a lot of real estate weight. It's complicated. I appreciated it. Because, oh it's brilliant because it gave me the, I was able to dial in the transmission to the type of riding I was doing yes and I've said this before I went on an open highway I'm shifting it might be you know two four six eight ten so Yes. I have it in the high but then when I'm hitting the curves and I'm in two four six eight ten I'm trying to engine brake into the corner but it doesn't have enough engine braking right when I shift it down to one three five now I'm engine braking hard into the turn and accelerating out, it just dialed it into the speed I was riding.
0: Now you know, back in the old days of British cars, we had these marvelous things called overdrives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. what an overdrive is is um, planetary gears, and it's a separate transmission behind the transmission. So you'd have your normal four-speed transmission, one, two, three, four, and then you'd have this separate transmission behind it. Which basically was an amplifier that would change the gearing quite substantially. It's
3: like a four-wheel drive almost, right?
0: Well, kind of. But what it basically did was it dropped the revs quite substantially. So if you're barreling along on the motorway at 70 miles an hour and the engine's like, it's bellowing at Mm 4,000 RPM, you'd hit overdrive and it'd just go down to Mm 2,500. It was like a very, very high... Fifth gear. Hmm. And they, they they preceded five-speed transmissions. And they were bloody great because they were actually electrically controlled. you had a little switch on hmm. the top of the gear shift and you could go Wah! out of it. So um, there you go. I hope that answers your question,
4: Terrell. It's a great question, though. Thank you.
1: Bagel, you have one there? Yeah,
4: I do. And uh, this is from Barry Donovan. Hey, Barry. From Rattlin, Vermont. All right, batter. Hello all you misfits and sunny warm CA. (laughs) It is warmed up here in Vermont from 11 degrees, (laughs) I'm sorry, negative 11 (laughs) degrees at 6 a.m. to a balmy 8 degrees at 5 p.m. Package up some of that warmth and send it to New England. This is a two-part email with one part for Liza and the other for Bagel. Ladies first. (laughs) <laughs> Liza, I heard you keep bringing up the Honda AT- ADV 150 uh, several times for an adventure bike.
1: Emma, hold it up to the camera. We have one. It's actually my latest model that just arrived.
4: Ah, um, yes. Wow. <laughs> well, there is another Honda ADV that will be coming to the states, <laughs> oh. and it is a Honda ADV 350. And here's a link to it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> one wheel. One real drawback is the price point of 15k wtf what? yikes uh, what yeah well now on to the real email of this e- okay. real meat of this email for bagel my darling wife last winter decided i needed to have a vintage scooter to work on over this winter probably a technique to keep me in the garage so she can mm-hmm. relax peacefully in front of the wood stove with a glass of wine
1: smart wife
4: anyhow it is a vespa a 1974 vespa a 150 Super and was last running two years ago. And former owner said the kickstart is broken. It seems to be mostly original. Well, the seat covers are funky and it's rubber ducky glued to the front fender, <laughs> but it has a Panasco 177 mm-hmm. kit on it with the bigger exhaust. I don't know about the carburetor as I've not done a thing on it yet. The last carb I worked on was a few years ago and it was a Zenith from in a Triumph Spitfire. I will I will be putting it up on the lift as soon as I have finished the maintenance on the five modern Vespas. So my question is: after I spend some time with the manual and just looking, familiarizing myself with it, what are the obvious first things to tackle? My goal is modest: just to get it running, make sure it is safe, and have to go have and and go have some two-stroke fun. Hmm, not sure how that sounds.
1: Okay, regards. <laughs>
4: Barry Donovan, Rutland, Vermont.
1: All I heard was rubber ducky glued to the fender.
4: <laughs> yes. There is a rubber ducky glue oh, okay. to the front fender of this bike. So um the it's definitely going to need a carb cleaning, assuming that there was fuel left in the tank and the system. Uh, we'll probably probably need to have some cleaning of the, the fuel tank and possibly the tap as well. But but see if there's flow through it in the first place. Um, if fuel's flowing through the tank and you don't see a bunch of crud in the bottom of it. Um, it might be good enough to just run um, but but try to make sure you get it cleaned out because if there is stuff that's floating in there you don't want to get that jammed up in your carb um, but you will want to take the carb apart uh, take the jets out you know clean them out make sure everything is 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 clean there's no crud, you know no crud and, and you know, residue inside of there um, in terms of the kickstart being broken um, <laughs> that, I don't know exactly what they meant by that. Um,
1: I'm because, guessing it's the shaft is broken.
4: Well, it it's a pretty robust shaft, and usually it's right. not the shaft that breaks. Um, I'm wondering, though, if it may just be something as simple as the, the spring. Well, well, there's just oh. in, inside the vest. The oh, this bench is yeah. a completely so different. Yeah, This is a vintage vest bench, completely different from anything you're used to. So
1: it doesn't go back to the top it just well, drops down well, to the bottom
4: well no it, it it has a it has a little kickstart quadrant on the inside of the the engine on the the insides uh, of the shaft where the kickstart lever is and this little quadrant gear kicks a a smaller uh pinion gear which then when you when it hits it it will it will push it into the the gear cluster in the transmission to actually start the engine um, What I wonder if what might've happened is maybe there's a spring that sits behind that little pinion gear. If that spring broke or somehow came out, that could be why it's not, why it's not uh, the kickstart's not working.
1: So is this as simple as taking the cover off or is this a splitting the case kind of thing?
4: Well, it's, it's basically the same thing. Um, you have, you're going to have to split the case to get in there and see what's going on with the kickstart level lever. But on a vintage Vespa engine, that's actually fairly easy to do. Um, you can uh, disconnect the rear shock and kind of drop the engine down, and that will give you enough clearance to get the the head off, get the cylinder off, and then you can split the cases. Um, um, make sure you take all the the base gaskets and stuff off too. Um, and you may need to put a um, you know a little bit of Yamabond or something between the cases to seal them back up. Um, uh, unless you, or, or just get a whole new gasket. Uh, it's probably the safest to, to thing to do but once you get inside there you can see exactly what is uh, is broken and needing replacement um it could be there are broken teeth either on the quadrant or possibly on the um the the gear cluster in the transmission um but depending on what you find in there just uh, replace the parts make sure you get all the little broken bits out if there are any because that will cause you headaches down the road if anything's still sitting inside the engine case um but it should it's fairly straightforward and you'll be amazed at at how how brilliant the engineering is on a Vespa engine once you open up the cases, because everything is right there. It's like a little <laughs> Nautilus shell of, of, of two-stroke two so, power. Look how, so brilliant. Look so how,
1: brilliant. Look how, look how
2: happy he I know. is. I
1: know. He's so happy. He, yes. like, light it up. It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything while they're in there, uh, while he's in there, anything that he should also do, replace anything? Oh,
4: very good point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He didn't say anything about the seals on the engine, okay. uh, but with all two strokes, uh, the seals are a weak point um, depending on how old, how old they are. It probably would be a good idea to just replace the flywheel side seal mm-hmm. on the engine, no matter what, um, just to make sure that's good. There is also a clutch side seal on the other side of the crankshaft, but you have to pull the crankshaft out in order to replace that. So it's a bit more of a pain to get to. Um, you can try. You can do. You can start it off by just replacing the flywheel side seal and run it and see how it goes. Try to avoid ethanol fuel as much as you can because that will kill the seals that are in the bike, old or new. Mm, okay. Um, so if you if you can get, if you have a source for clear gas, just run that. Um, and hopefully, if there is an old seal on the clutch side, it'll last a while before it will before it finally goes and you'll have to rebuild it. Um, but you can probably get in there do a quick. Uh, Quick repair for the kickstart lever and flywheel side seal, and be able to make that a nice runner.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. And and if it is a spline, just weld it on. That's what I
4: did. Yeah, weld on the just spline. Uh, All right, J- JB you, can, you can find a kickstart
1: button. <laughs> All right, uh, we got time for one more. And uh, Emma and John, you have to pay attention because mm. you need to make the call on this. Oh, right. okay. Uh, this one is from Alex. He says, "Hey, Liza. Hello, Alex. Um, as always, I hope you and the other Misfits are doing well. Since it's winter here in Pennsylvania, I have been truly living vicariously through all of you to keep my spirits up while my machines sit idly in the garage. Keep oh, your, it's keep so your sad. spirits up, Alex." He said I did get my monkey out on January 2nd.
0: Did you sir? Span- did you What? S- did you spank it, darling? But
1: my beanbag still hasn't reverted back to its re- original condition. I d- What? Mm, okay, we're just going to keep going on. Yeah, and just Leave keep, that one there.
0: No, keep going.
1: Okay. Uh, I wanted to throw something out to you, and I hope you don't mind.
0: Well, bet if he's been spanking his monkey, he's going to be throwing stuff out.
1: I think your Num nuts challenge is going to be really cool, and I'm really bummed that I'm not able to partake or spectate. So I was wondering if you'd be interested in allowing me to somehow provide a prize to second place. Hmm. Up to the value of, well, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say in case we take this, but he wants to provide a, oh yeah. Okay. A second place uh, prize. Um, I don't know the logistics of making that happen, but if there is a way that I could either wire, give you the garage, the money to give it to the second place winner, I'll just say it's a hundred bucks. He wants to donate a hundred bucks to what the second place that's winner. Absolute sweetie. Um, or to provide a, uh, a prize up to that amount, I'd be happy to let you choose a prize, whether it be serious or gag. I'd love to do so. I don't mean to muscle in on the fun, nor do I mean to involve myself in things that should be left alone. No, 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 no at no, all.
0: No 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 no, 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 no. That's not so, how the misfits work. No, right.
1: So if this is a terrible idea, please feel free to ignore me. But if you think it's doable, I'm totally in. I'll even cover shipping if that's what it takes. Um, he says, lastly, for a possible 500th podcast celebration, would you be opposed to some coming in from far away East? Or are you strictly looking for local and West coasters to celebrate? Just curious, but my wife may have given me the green light to travel and depending on weather, maybe even by two wheels. Anyhow, Y'all do nice. an amazing job putting out content. It's a lot of work, but you really take good care of us, listeners. Thank you much and love. So let's address these. So hundred dollars uh, second prize. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely yeah. splendid. Because I say it because I am now a competitor. You guys are kind of the judge and MC right. and everything. No, 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 that's no, a great that's, idea. no, that's absolutely
0: splendid. Alex, thank you. And I want to address, and bear in mind, we haven't finalized our party yet. Or even, we don't even know if we can make it happen, but my God, we're going to try. I don't care where you listen to us geographically. I don't care whether you're on the West Coast, on the East Coast, in England, in Australia, in New Zealand. Don't we have one listener in Nigeria or something? (laughs) I don't care where you listen to us. You are welcome to our party. Because it's a party for everyone.
1: So let's let's uh, let's address. So hundred bucks, yes. Do you guys want hundred bucks cash, or do you think there should be a prize?
0: No, I think a prize, and we're going to think of it.
1: Okay, you guys think of it. Um, yes, Alex, if you would like to wire us the money, uh, our PayPal is at recyclemotorcyclegarage at gmail dot com, and if you put it as numnuts, I will hand it over to Emma and John to figure out best way to use that towards the no-nut. So I really appreciate that, first of all. Second of all, when it comes to the 500th episode, he's given me a great idea, and I really appreciate the suggestion. Maybe we should do a live show and invite our listeners to come out uh, to spend a weekend in Santa Cruz. We could do a group ride. We right. could do a barbecue.
3: Do it all. And do it rent a group campground, well, too, or something.
1: And, well, you know what makes it really easy? Right across the street from us is the community center. Oh. And there is a theater oh, in there yeah. that we could use. This is true. And yeah. do a live yeah podcast.
0: We could I'd, do a I'd, live podcast from the theater. And just, if the weather's nice... Just sitting out in the in the open area in front of the community center with all our listeners and our friends, it, to me, would be the greatest I, thing in the
3: world.
1: I kind of like the be a be a misfit for the weekend. Invite people to come out and, like I said,
3: mm-hmm.
1: group rides, live to ride, ride to eat come do some wrenching in the garage. We can do a whole thing about it and a live show.
0: Wear a gorilla suit, wear a pink
1: tutu (laughs) or wear nothing (laughs) or wear nothing. It doesn't matter. You will be welcome. Speaking of wearing nothing, wearing nothing but a smile. February 5th. Emma, what are you going to be wearing?
0: I shall be wearing boots and (laughs) Helmut.
1: That's it. (laughs) And that's it because it's
0: the naked ride. Um, Famously, uh, Pre-pandemic, I was the only one who was injured on the naked ride because I was riding my motor Guzzi and I burnt my <laughs> knees on the back <laughs> of the cylinder heads. This Ow. won't happen this year because I shall yes. be riding my Superglide. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, mm. So I'll
0: probably burn the inside of my thigh Honey, on the uh, exhaust. Uh, uh, I'm
1: sorry,
0: it's Superglide. Super. Super. Superglide. <laughs> yeah, super. As it's super. Yes. Um, I shall probably burn the inside of my thigh on the uh, exhaust system, but nevertheless, my knees
1: will be safe. So yeah, naked ride. Can I just tell you, uh, I was giving my friends a uh, child, a ride once, um, <laughs> And uh, she had shorts on and Crocs.
0: Oh God! And I just had to like take her,
1: give her a ride across town. So I went and rifled through the garbage, and I found a corn dog box in the recycling bin. And I got some duct tape out of the garage. And first, I duct taped her Crocs on, and then I duct tape. I, I just popped the bottom out of this box, slid it over her leg, and I duct taped a cardboard corn dog box to her leg. Where, where the exhaust was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Gosh. Hey, man, it worked. Um, wow. So, yeah, there you go. We got Num Nuts. We've got um, the and, Naked Ride.
4: Don't you also have an announcement this week about a little award? Ooh, some kind? well. Yeah,
1: you yeah. did.
4: Yeah.
0: There's a story behind yeah, that. I mean, I'll
1: good. go ahead and say. Uh, yeah, so we were notified that we won Santa Cruz Best of Best Nonprofit.
4: Yeah,
0: and,
1: which is really cool. And then I did a little more research about the this group that creates these best ofs that are not a Santa Cruz group, and then we are invited oh. to order and pay for our award.
4: Oh, huh. uh, that's lame. Yeah.
1: So lame. I think that it, it's kind of like a, a sham, but – I, I it's it was sort a, of a legit sham. I don't think people it, voted, and we're not an actual. It's a grift. nonprofit. It's a grift. It's a good. Somebody it's a good grift
4: for the best. If we'll pay them to say that, it's a
1: grift, and I think a lot of people realize it's a grift. And they're like, I don't care. I want an award from my desk. So yeah, Woo-hoo. yeah. So uh, yeah, it was fleeting. It was really fun. Like yeah, best of them. Like oh cool. Wait a minute. But still, we won the grifty award. Yeah. It's still. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, exactly. um, so i think we're ready to get out of here hey thanks you guys for being good travel companions uh even though i broke you
3: all you did i'm falling asleep right now
1: i'm <laughs> already fell
0: asleep <laughs> no, we're no, shush, <laughs> shush.
3: <laughs> i didn't i was just... just resting your eyes oh god <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm like <slight. laughs> Okay, I know, I, we're
1: all a bit tired. Got rode
3: hard and put away
1: wet by Liza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for hanging in with us, Emma, darling. We've got some more um, asthma, Emma. People who signed up this week. Thank you for signing up. I think it's
0: I no, and I, up now. I'm I'm going to get through them and in I've, my inimitable I've style. I
1: forwarded you a question tonight. Yes. Um, so thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers, especially because, like I said, uh, we use some of the Patreon money um, to pay for you know some of the trip, and we're going to be using it to pay for the Numb Nuts Challenge. Well, <laughs> I say that I, I, mm. I'm hoping to keep the money. We'll just see, <laughs> I, John. After spending uh, days with me in Vegas, do you think I, I stand a good chance to win?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's like, no, and yeah. I, oh, that's down not, the knees. Never <laughs> underestimate this woman. It's, I, I couldn't imagine what you were like when you had good knees.
0: Yeah. Uh, scrapers, <laughs> scrapers. <laughs> and I was. Yeah. It's not necessarily a good thing, Liza. It's just you are so OCD. Oh, yeah. All you need to do is just focus on winning,
1: and nobody else stands a chance. <laughs> I, know. I know. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Big ch- ride
3: right on the nineteenth of February. Yeah, come and join us.
1: Go uh, check out Rosie Gabrielle. She, like I said, she's got a lot of great videos. She's got a long history. She's a very interesting person, too. Um, I think we're ready to get out of here. Any last announcements? You, go, you guys good?
3: Join me in Pakistan. There you go. Still got some slots open, so a Different
1: A differentagenda.com.
3: Pakistan Zabardast.
1: Zindabad! <laughs> there you go. All right, thanks, everyone. This is Liza.
3: Stumpy John the
0: Hotshot <laughs> Happy Poopy Time. John. Oh, yes, it's it was. Emma Dolly
1: <laughs> Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. Thanks, guys.